I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. It's Fox. It's Fox Sports Radio, Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports, filling in for Karan today. Lincoln Kennedy, uh, former Pro Bowl offensive line. You can hear him Saturday mornings on the fellas on Fox. What's up, Lincoln? Chris, what's happening, man? How you doing? Good to talk to you, man. Good to, uh, good good to, to have some NF- to. Good to have an NFL <laughs> voice in here this week. I, I feel like we have to talk some NFL. Karan and I tend to lean NBA, but kind of a busy week in the NFL, huh? Like You think so? Things, I, there things. were a few things going on, just a, a few, few things. A few things happening, yeah. We'll get into that. I also want to get into uh, Game 7 between the Cavs and the uh, Indiana Pacers. I was at Game 6 the other night. The Pacers extended that series. Can they go to Cleveland and get a win that game at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern? But, man, the NFL draft, never boring, is it? Never never. <laughs> never, never dull. And this one was. Did this one feel like it? Just felt more compelling than ones in years past. Maybe it was like the number of trades, the the possibility of trades, the quarterbacks taken. I don't know, Lincoln. It was just. It just felt more interesting to me, especially that first round. It's a combination of all of that. It's also the fact where you, if you go one year ago to Philadelphia, how Philadelphia put the draft on a huge grandstand for all the world to see, and sort of you know set the bar high. You had to wonder what what was going to happen in Jerry's world. You know what I mean? When you go out to Dallas, along with the intrigue of, of the possibility of what Cleveland's going to do, what quarterbacks are going to go where, you know, who's the best one. Uh, Saquon Barkley, in my opinion, is the best a- athlete that was on the board, where he ended up. All those things, it, it, it captivated the first night, and then it carried on somewhat Friday and Saturday, obviously, uh, because you still had a number of notable names not off the board or didn't get drafted or got drafted late. So it was a lot of intrigue uh, throughout the weekend. Four quarterbacks drafted in the top ten. You know who didn't get the best one? Cleveland. They did not get the best quarterback. They got their guy. You know, Chris? Of course, that's the Browns guy. The Browns got their guy. When did the Browns ever get a good guy when they say they got their guy? Johnny Manziel was their guy. Going into it, it was always the, the notion that if the Browns messed this up, that they're going to still be the mistake by the lake. Here, here, here's what I have to say to that. 
Okay. Um, and I didn't think that Baker Mayfield. I'm a little on the fence because I had a chance to talk to the kid. He's a really nice guy, and he has a captivating personality, which I think, uh, you know, as far as an offensive lineman, I would have loved to block for the guy. That's mm-hmm. that's how drawn to him I was. I just don't think he was the best quarterback, in my opinion, for what Cleveland has right now. However, um, when a GN, a general manager, or a scouting uh, department falls in love with the guy, they'll do whatever they take to get him. And obviously, when the rumors circulated earlier this week that the Browns could have uh, Baker Mayfield in play, it, it just came to fruition. That's exactly what happened. Okay, let me tell you why I don't like Baker Mayfield. I, in almost any other sport, at almost any position, I, I love an overachiever. I mean, I love the guy that outworks everybody else, who defies the odds, all that stuff. But at quarterback... At the number one pick in the draft with three other guys who are considered elite right available to you, I don't want an overachiever. Baker Mayfield is like the ultimate overachiever, right? I mean, four years ago, the guy was a walk-on at Texas Tech. He's a redshirt transfer at Oklahoma. I mean, he has blown through every expectation for him. But for some reason, all that makes me feel nervous about taking this guy at number one. I mean, at number one, Lincoln, I want the blue blood. I want the superstar prospect. I want Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. I don't want an underachiever, per se. I don't want Ryan Leaf, but I want the pure talent. I don't look at Baker Mayfield as being the best pure talent at quarterback. His size bothers me. The numbers he puts up in the Big 12 bothers me. I, I, I just feel like and Darnold was my guy. I would have taken Darnold the number one. If, if, if I just have this, this strong feeling that Sam Darnold's going to have a much better career than Baker Mayfield. And and you look, you're probably you're not definitely not alone because there are a number of people who thought Sam Darnold was a better quarterback. I assume that I mean I thought that uh, Cleveland should take Sam Darnold mainly because I like his uh, mobility and his ability to throw while moving, especially with that tattered offensive line they have in Cleveland. But all four top prospects had flaws. If you think about it, all four top prospects came with flaws. If you go with Josh Josh Rosen, the concussion and the injuries towards the latter part of his career in college might play an issue, especially being in Cleveland. If you go yep. with uh, Josh Allen, then you're talking about why, if he was as good a quarterback as people tell him, why didn't he have better numbers in Wyoming, uh, especially around the competition? Sam Darnold has his flaws. Baker Mayfield, one thing I will say, if you look at his transcripts and you look at his records, you know he, he was consistent throughout his time in college as a three-year starter. Which is what you expect from a quarter, what you hope for a quarterback. When he made, he had to make plays, he made plays, and that I think that's what Cleveland based on the fact that they can get. He's a playmaker. Now I do think it's a gamble, Chris. When you talk about taking a former Heisman Trophy winner who's had a, somewhat of a trouble in his past, like a Johnny Manziel, I think it's a big risk, especially all the pressure that's going to go on this young man in Cleveland. And the reason why I say that is because Cleveland has been without a quarterback since they've been reinstated into the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pressure on that very proud franchise to get them back to winning ways. And it, it, it's a whole lot of stuff to put on a guy, young man's shoulder just coming out of college. So yeah. I, I get what you're saying, but I also think that all four quarterbacks had flaws that you could talk about to, ad nauseum and say, well, this is why he shouldn't have been number one or this is why you should have went a different direction. I, I can only assume that, as we said, you know, that they fell in love with their guy. They, they, got, they got their guy that they wanted, and they used that number one pick. I, I disagree what they did in number four, but they used Yo, their number we'll one pick. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. Does, <laughs> does, does, Baker, does Baker Mayfield's size bother you, though? I mean, John Dorsey came out and said, like, I, I think his line was, like, the fewest batted down passes. It was almost like he was trying to convince people that Baker Mayfield's size is not going to be a problem for him under center. But I, I keep, you go on Twitter, and, like, we, we're all, we're the kings of 
everybody out there is the kings of making comparisons, the Manziel comparison right. because of the attitude. Uh, right. Russell Wilson is the positive, right? Russell Wilson right. is what Baker Mayfield could become. But guys that are six foot in the NFL that succeed at quarterback are just few and far between now. You've got Wilson, you've got Drew Brees, maybe a handful of others. Most guys you're looking for are six four and above of playing that position. That that size it does worry me. That's that's the main the biggest concern I had for Baker Mayfield is yeah. the size. But but of course we have you know in in, few, in recent history we have Russell Wilson making a success out of himself and he's still supposed to be a little bit taller than Russell Wilson. <laughs> so yeah. uh, and as you mentioned, Drew Brees who has a tremendous Hall of, Hall of Fame career. Um, there has been few or far between. You court, there's always that prototypical quarterback that everyone's looking for. Some people want a prolific pocket uh, presence. Some people want a guy who has mobility. Uh, I think we've in our history of watching football we've seen them all. Um, but it, it, there's no guarantee that any of them are going to succeed. I mean, we might be talking about, you know, two years from now, how big of a flop the Cleveland pick was or how big of a success. Who knows? It's going to be some time. Yeah, well, it's going to be some time there. It might be less time before we find out about that second first-round pick. <laughs> Denzel Ward taking over over Bradley Chubb. Wow. I understand the, 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 the rationale in going for secondary help. I mean, 19th in pass defense last year. They weren't very good. I mean, they weren't very good at anything last year. But, you know, Denzel Ward, a little undersized at about 5'11". And what told me all I needed to know about Bradley Chubb Lincoln was that the Broncos were out there shopping that number five pick, right? Like they were looking to make a deal for that number five pick. As soon as that as they found out Bradley Chubb was still going to be on the board, they scrapped all those plans and drafted this kid. And you see Von Miller in the videos, like, you know, just ecstatic. This just seems like a miss passing on a guy that looks like a transcendent type pass rusher. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, when you talk about insanity, you know, the fact is that you, you keep doing the same thing over and over again and hoping yeah. you're going to have a different outcome. Well, they, you know, not too long ago, they drafted a small corner. The press corner was high praise. But, and, and, you know, some people question, well, yeah, he's a good athlete, but in the National Football League, his size might be used as a, a weakness against him because you have taller wide receivers. I agree. I, I thought you should have went with Bradley Chubb. I mean, but I had a different my mock draft that I made up. I had a different uh, draft totally for the Cleveland Browns. I thought they should have started with Saquon Barkley and then got the quarterback at number four. But they decided to go the way that they did. And I, I um, Denver jumped at the chance and also you know working in AFC West with the Raiders. Look, it's there's, that's a force right there. That's a force on the defensive line that you got to worry about in Denver. Von Miller on one side and Bradley Chubb on the other. They probably would have been able to get. Their man, a quarterback at number four. I, I don't see the Jet. I didn't see the Jets passing on Darnold. I, I just no. didn't. I thought it was Darnold or yeah. Rosen. I, I didn't think they were going to go, especially not in New York. I don't know. You can right. go the Baker Mayfield route uh, in New York. So they could have taken. Uh, I'm with you. They could have taken Barkley at number one, given themselves. They did get a running back in that second round. So yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. Maybe that that works out for them. But these, I mean, look. It, it, it sounds hyperbolic, I guess, but this is arguably the most important draft in Brown's history. Like you have the one and four picks, you've got great quarter, potentially great quarterbacks on the board. Somebody in this crop is going to pan out. Probably multiple guys in this crop of quarterbacks is going to pan out. You've got a, a great pass rusher sitting there, yeah. and, and you're going to be def- you're John Dorsey. You are now defined by Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward. These guys, you're going to be synonymous with your name. It's going to be John Dorsey. Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward. That's how his Wikipedia page. This is the first line of it. You know, moving forward, the, the, they've got to hit on these guys, Lincoln. If they don't hit, this Browns team is going to be exactly where it's been for the next uh, you know two or three years. And, and that in, that lies of the problem because you talk about the the constant mistakes that have been made when they have had the number one pick. You know, you go back to the Tim Couches and 
I'm trying to remember the other ones that they, they, they no, there's missed. so many. It's just too many. They, yeah, there's they, too, yeah, many to too many to name, but they've missed. They've missed. They've missed so many times. And it's, and it, what's so disheartening is because I love the fans, Cleveland. Cleveland is a tremendous sports town, as you know, Chris. And, and the fact is, is that they deserve better, but they, mm-hmm. for some reason, haven't been able to get out of their own way. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is the way that, you know, this is going to happen. You're always going to second guess, no matter who they picked, there's always going to be second guesses. We just have to see the way things panned out. Pan you out. think Baker Mayfield rides the bench all season? No, because here's what's going to happen. I honestly think that Tyrod Taylor is was a serviceable quarterback. Yep. Will do do somewhat do do all right, but the the fans will be clamoring to have Baker in there. They, you'll hear oh, yeah. the chants within the second game. We want Baker. We want Baker. Especially too, if Darnold or Allen or Rosen winds up starting Absolutely. for their teams, and and one of them plays well. Like I mean, one of them is going to play. Really well. I actually like what the Cardinals did. I mean, I thought the Cardinals having Sam Bradford in place and and drafting uh, a Josh Rosen there to 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 maybe groom for a year right. and put him there. I I love that deal. But I mean, one of those guys is going to start. They're going to play well, and there's going to be so much pressure to play Baker Mayfield. I mean, if Absolutely. they're like two and seven going into the <laughs> second half of the season, I mean, you think that fan base is going to shut up about oh, no. you know not wanting to play Baker Mayfield? They're going to be oh, no. the dog pound's going to be all over them. Well, especially in that division. And look, it, and here's as far as it goes in Rosen, and he's in my backyard because I live in Phoenix. The truth of the matter is that uh, you know Sam Darnold hasn't been able to finish the season since when, so he's going to yeah. get in sooner than uh, later. Um, you know they they've got their franchise quarterback, and they didn't have to give up much to get him. I love too that some people out there nitpicking Josh Rosen's comments afterwards, like that nine mistakes were made before me. I mean, shut up! I mean, like, who cares? Like, let let him. I mean, the guy. I want a quarterback that thinks that. I mean, Tom Brady still thinks that way. Tom Brady Certainly. can still name every quarterback that was drafted for him Certainly. in his draft class. You don't want your guy saying, "Well, they probably got the right guy. I am the fourth best quarterback in this draft." Like nobody wants you to think like that. That's just dumb. You, That's mark dumb. mark my words because I'm looking at Cleveland's schedule, Chris. They start with <laughs> Pittsburgh, then they go to New Orleans. By the time they play the Jets, you're going to have everybody yelling for Baker Mayfield to start. Hey, I'm with you. All right, 877-996-6369 is the phone number. 877-996-6369. A lot more to get into. I do want to get into the Giants draft. I thought they made some mistakes there. And the Patriots, did they get Tom Brady? No, they didn't. They didn't get Tom Brady's replacement in this uh, draft. We'll do that coming up next. It's Chris Mannix and Lincoln Kennedy here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Lincoln Kennedy filling in for Karan today. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico and Geico.com 15 minutes ago. All right, interesting top of the draft, Lincoln, because I don't know if you expect the Giants to take Barkley at number two. I understand why they did it. If you draft a running back who has that kind of Ezekiel Elliott potential, game-changing potential, you're trying to extend the next, you know, four or five years of Eli Manning's career, however long he decides to play. Maybe mm-hmm. less, maybe 30, 37 mm-hmm. years old. But to me, it wasn't really a gutsy call. A gutsy call would have been taking the quarterback. A gutsy call would have been taking the guy that could take over for Eli or for Eli and, you know, carry your team or lead your team for the next 10 to 15 years. This seemed like a pretty short sighted move by the Giants to grab the guy that could help them short term and maybe passing on a guy that could carry them long-term. What did you think? If they did do a gutsy call, we'd be talking about them in the same voice that we're talking about the Cleveland Browns. I, I think it was the best – I think it was the, the, the right call, and here's why. 
two years ago, uh, the the Giants were coming off a pretty significant season where you know they had a winning record and they were you know in the playoffs for a short time, and people thought that they were on their way up, they were on their rise. And then uh, you know when we started making the projections just one season ago about where the Giants were going to land, I came on my air my shows and, and people I'm dealing with and said, look, I don't believe the Giants are going to be you know relevant in their division because they did two things they did did not do two things in the off season preceding the season. They didn't address the offensive line and they didn't have a running back and they didn't have a running game. And we all know how how important a running game is even in today's NFL. You still have to have a running game or ability to control it. So I didn't think they were going to go anywhere. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't go anywhere. They had an abysmal season where they ended up firing all their staff and trying to start all over. I say that to say this, Chris. By taking Saquon Barkley, you give Eli Manning a chance. They addressed the offensive line, not only in this draft, but not signing Nate Solder from uh, from the New England Patriots uh, to protect uh, Eli's blind side. No matter how many years you want to give him left, you have a weapon who's as capable as Saquon Barkley and what he's achieved in college. It adds to your offense. They tried last year by signing all those receivers to try to make up for their deficiencies, and it turned out to be a disaster. Now, this was a smart pick. It was the right pick um, because, to me, Saquon Barkley was the best athlete available in the draft, and that's why the Giants took him. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said about Barkley. I, I think he's, he's, he's kind of a generational type of running back. I think he can have the same impact that Ezekiel Elliott had uh, to some degree with the Dallas Cowboys. That said, right. if the Giants screw this up, they're – the mistake they made is going to be staring at them in the locker room down the hall True. at that stadium because Sam Darnold is going to be playing there probably for the Jets for a very long time. I just think, look, I look at Eli, and I don't know about you, but I look at Eli and I say two years. Two years of him playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. It's this year. Yeah. It's next year. Look, all the stuff Agreed. that happened last year, I don't put it all on Eli Manning. It's you know, Odell Beckham goes out. The wide receiver and corpse were gashed. The offensive line, like you said, they, it stunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put better pieces around him he's going to get some of his mojo back. But the number of quarterbacks that thrive in their late 30s and even early 40s, you can count on one hand. So you're you're looking at like a two-year window of maximizing Eli Manning. And yes, when he's gone, you're still going to have Barkley there. But when he's gone, doesn't it kind of come down to would you rather have the great running back being the future of your franchise or the great having the great quarterback as the future of your franchise? Because it's been proven that you can find quality running backs later in the draft. It hasn't necessarily been proven that you can uh, you can find great quarterbacks later in the draft. Well, everybody's looking for that 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 gem, like that Tom Brady. You know, the sixth rounder who eventually becomes one of the greatest quarterbacks in history. Everybody's looking yeah. for that. Um, hey, did you know I, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick? I didn't hear that in the draft. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if it, I feel it, like it they might have. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you're, Lincoln, if you're watching people, if you're watching day three of the draft, if you're that big a a, a nerd that you're watching day three of the draft, you know when Tom Brady was drafted. There oh, really is it. There's no need to <laughs> keep no bringing it up it. and hammering people over the head over and over again. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Oh, but man. you know, to your point. Here, here's what we've learned. I, I believe the power running game is, is is going to come back. You've seen Leonard Fernando last year. You saw Ezekiel LA, as you mentioned. Saquon Barkley can be an obvious part of that. I have to see him run between the tackles in the National Football League because he didn't do a lot of that in Penn State. I don't doubt he can do it. I just have to see it. So I do, I, I do believe the power running game is sort of making a somewhat of a resurgence. With that being said, I believe that Eli's best years and the Super Bowl winning years is when he was complimented by a running game. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl, so please don't call me or tweet me and say that, oh, the Giants are going. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying as far as being a positive for this offense, work and play action, Eli has been has had magic in those years. I agree with you, Chris. I don't think he has more than two years left. 
I just don't think that you can pass up on a specimen like Saquon Barkley when you're in that position. Now, they do have a future quarterback need, and that was the argument coming into the draft, which made it so intriguing. The top five picks all needed quarterbacks. Mm. In the top five teams, they all needed quarterbacks, right? So then you were talking about whether or not who's going to go where and how they were going to fit in. And now we've seen as as the you know as they say everything is fallen and settled, we can we can pick this apart uh, you know equally on every part. I just think it's the safest pick. It was the best pick, and they they've got to, they'll have to f- eventually figure out their quarterback issue later. It was the safest pick, but do you think the Giants win a Super Bowl in the next two years? No. Okay, then, no. then what's the point of drafting this guy then? Because if you're not going to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. You're going to need a quarterback at some point after that, and this was your best opportunity to grab one of those quarterbacks. This is my problem. It would have taken big stones for Dave Gettleman to go out there with the number 2 pick and Eli Manning still saying he wants to play. It would have taken huge stones to draft a Sam Darnold and have him sit there in the New York market, come to camp. Oh, it would have been a complete cluster bleep all all season as you're uh as you're as you're dealing with this quarterback situation. But it would have been the right move because if you're not going to win a Super Bowl the next two years, you're 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 enhancing a backfield that has a ceiling. You're you're enhancing a backfield that might only go to a conference championship game. I just I just think that's a little bit short sighted. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I understand your point. I, I yeah, I mean, and man, it's really you're right. It would <laughs> take huge easy. stones. It's not easy because the thing is, is that we we kind of felt that they were going to stay in by Eli with all the comments that were made when everything was turned over from the you know the general manager the coaching staff that they were going to stay with Eli they wanted to stay with Eli uh but there was you know there were some people who said oh, no they're going to get a quarterback they got to get a quarterback here and that's like i said that's why the draft was so intriguing because here you had four quarterbacks who were first round franchise caliber uh uh and 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 all the discussions about them and the first four teams needed them needed a quarterback <laughs> you don't have that all the time you know what i mean so. Like ask ask the Patriots if I mean deep down some of the football guys than the Patriots if they would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or what they got for Jimmy Garoppolo all those assets they got for him whatever ass the second round pick that they flipped down to move down for a couple of spots these quarterbacks when you have an opportunity to get them even when you have an established quarterback in place like this was the one year speaking of the Patriots who didn't draft a quarterback till the seventh round they passed on Lamar Jackson or the Ravens moved up and scooped at the back end. Uh, of that first round, even right. the Patriots, they didn't show over the last six months or so. Lincoln, they haven't shown real stones in the front office. I mean, they traded Garoppolo when a bolder move would have been to keep him and have a pretty frank conversation with Tom Brady this off season. They don't draft Lamar Jackson, so now they're going to go into another season without a quarterback of the future on their roster. I think they made a couple mistakes on draft night. Well, I agree with you and I also think there's also been a, 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 a sign in the or you know some some showing of there's a there's a crack in the dam if you will that is the yeah. dynasty of the Patriots. I mean, you start to see that people are complaining about the quote-unquote Patriot way. Um, you know, everybody's not yeah, really. Do you have a problem with that? It. Like, do you I, like one of the things? Like, all, like the Amendolas of the world, the Nate Solders coming out and criticizing the the. Uh, I don't know if criticize the right word, but sort of going in depth on on the Patriot way. There, some of the stuff I understand, like that their their problems with. But when I hear Amendola say, "Man, it, it sucks to go out and practice in the rain, the snow." Well, well, tough. Like you know, if it makes helps you win Super Bowls, which it has. No, I have no problem with Bill Belichick doing that. Belichick treating players. Basically, like you know, pieces of meat. I, I understand the frustration there, but the, some of the other stuff that's come out about how hard he makes them practice now—it's all about winning. There, I'm like, well, 
What do you want? It to I be remember. About? I remember when I was a player, and I I knew a number of Patriots, uh, and I I remember you know we're talking about off season what they're going to do off season. They're like, well, no, we we've got we've got to start workouts, and I'm like, well, they're they're voluntary. And they're like, no, no, yeah. no, they're not voluntary to the Patriots <laughs> yeah. because because you know Bill has often came out and said, look, I don't have to play you. And he's he's made examples, constant examples out of players. Anybody who was bigger than the program, they got rid of, right? And then and then they realized that they error in their ways because they weren't winning as much. The fact is, is if you buy into this program, you win, and that's that's the trade off. You'll have rings. You'll be a champion. They've been a dynasty for twenty years now. You see what I'm saying? They because yeah. nobody has challenged them. So you have one or two options as a, as a player. You can be full of yourself. And think that you can do it on your own, or you could do it elsewhere, and take that chance. We'll see how that turns out, or you can just get in line and stay with the way. I doubt very seriously that anybody coming out of that locker room had a problem with being a winner. They might not like everything he did, but they don't have a problem with him being a winner. So I, I'm on you. Look, it, it's tough. So what? They want you to come up there and practice in in March when there's still you know ten inches of snow on the ground. Okay, yeah, you're going to be a champion. You're going to be revered as one of the best. And if you don't like it, get off the train, go somewhere else, and see how you how you do. Do you think Lamar Jackson is going to be a good quarterback in the NFL? I think he's a talent that you have got to dis- you got to develop a system for, um, and and mainly you have to tell him or show him how to get down. Like Russell Wilson had to learn when he first came in. You remember how mm-hmm. run happy Russell Wilson was his first yeah. year, and then some of those shots he took while watching RG three and all those other guys get beat up, learn how to get down. That's what you're going to have to take with Lamar Jackson. You're going to have to. You're definitely going to have to teach him how to get down and use his use the rules that 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 help a quarterback in the National Football League to his advantage. Yeah, I would have loved to see the Patriots at least take him. So you have somebody sitting around as the heir apparent instead of uh, right. you know Brian Hoyer kind of back there for Who? Uh, another season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we'll talk more about the NFL draft. Charles Davis, NFL on Fox. He's going to join us next. But first, let's find out what's going on out there and check in with Ilo. What's happening, Ilo? Chris and Lincoln, we are half an hour away from Game 7 in Cleveland between the Cavaliers and Now we're talking. Let's go. Indian game Count- 7. I love Game 7. Countdown is on and some intrigue. First of all, Cavaliers head coach Teron Liu saying earlier today that point guard George Hill is available to play today. However, Liu would not announce his full and complete starting lineup. More intrigue. The officials for Game 7, Scott Foster, Tony Brothers, and Kane Fitzgerald. Now remember, back in November of this season... Fitzgerald ejected LeBron James from a game against the Miami Heat for the first and only ejection of James' NBA career, and he's one of the officials for Game 7 today. Ilo, you needed you needed some dramatic music for that read. I mean, that uh, the first one with Tyrone, you mean just need some dramatic music in the background with those. Either that or the X-Files theme music. There you go. <laughs> Guy ejects LeBron for the first and only time in his career in November. <gasps> And it just so happens that in Game 7, he's one of the officials. I'm just saying, I'm sure it's purely, purely coincidental. One other NBA game today, guys, at 3.30 Eastern, Game 1 of the Western Conference Semifinal Series as the Houston Rockets host the Utah Jazz. And in case you missed it last night, in Game 1 of the other West Semi, the Golden State Warriors defeated the New Orleans Pelicans 123-101 to behind a Draymond Green triple-double, while the Boston Celtics defeated the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 7 of their opening round series 112-96 to to advance to the next round against the Philadelphia 76ers. Chris and Lincoln, back to you. 
It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Lincoln Kennedy filling in for Karan Butler today. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Now, give you can take your... Playoff games, Lincoln, you can take your NHL clinching games. Give me NBA playoffs game seven all day long. Last night I was in Boston for uh, Celtics Bucks game Ooh, seven. It nice. was a great game. And today, the I mean, again, we talk about hyperbole, but yeah. the, the, the future of LeBron James potentially on the line as he sits, as he plays in a game seven in the first round. His first first round uh, game seven. Let me tell you something. I was at game six in Indy on Friday, and I've had a couple uh-huh. of these games during the series. Indiana's the better team here. Indiana Agreed. Indiana is just the better team. LeBron is the best player on the floor, no but doubt. it's been proven out that even if he goes for 46, as he did in Game 2, that doesn't guarantee anything because the Cavs are bad. They are just a bad to very average type of team and I'm curious what LeBron has in his bag of tricks today because he might need to put up like 55 for this team to win. He might have to have the highest usage rate in NBA playoff history for this team to win because there is not a single player on this Cavs team that can be counted on. And Indiana True. Indiana is just fearless. They're completely yeah. fearless. They have had opportunity after opportunity to turtle and take their ball and go home. They haven't done it. So I, I think this game, to me, I'm not going to say the Pacers are going to win because I just have a hard time betting against LeBron in Game 7, especially at home. But this game is at best, at best, a coin flip. Well, then it leads to the question, is is this just, if LeBron is able to win this game, let's keep it straight, it's it's Le- LeBron versus the Indiana Pacers. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, if, if he's able to win this game, is it eventually, you know, inevitable that they're going to lose in the, I mean, the next round? They're, as you mentioned, they're not a good team. They're going to come up against somebody who's a better team and is going to beat them. Uh, I don't know who that is because I agree with you. It's hard to bet against the best player in the game. They're not but getting out of the Eastern Conference, though. No way. Well, okay, yeah. It's, it's, it's exhausting for me as a fan to watch him have to take over games every time, and he's been doing it for so long. I, lead, I have the question as an athlete, how many plays do you have left in your legs? Are you getting up there? He's yeah. played a lot of basketball. So, look, I totally agree with you. There's nothing more uh, fun than watching uh, Game 7 in any type of uh, multi-sport series, uh, multi-game uh, series um, for me. I'm looking forward to it, but I I agree with you. Indiana's a better team. I just don't know how much more LeBron can do or how Some- much he can do on his own. Somebody has to step up for the Cavaliers. Maybe it's George Hill expected to be back in the lineup today, but Ty Lue's not even announcing who his starters are going to be Ooh. in this one. This is the problem. Like A week to go in the season, and Ty says that Jeff Green is going to be his starter the rest of the way. The Jeff Green experiment lasted one playoff game. Yeah. They yanked him out of the starting lineup after one playoff game. Kevin Love has been outplayed, not just by Miles Turner, his counterpart out there, but by Miles Turner's backup, DeMontis Sabonis. He has been just completely outplayed by other bigs in this series. Rodney Hood hasn't played well. J.R. Smith has been streaky. If the Cavs win this game, somebody has to step into the void and provide some spark because LeBron can't do it on its own. By all rights, Lincoln, this series should have been over. I think the Pacers have been the better team throughout. They've had some bad breaks. Uh, Game two, Victor Oladipo wide open for a chance to tie the game for three. He misses. Uh, The Cavs avoid the 0-2 hole. Game five, I mean, they had some opportunities there before LeBron hit that dagger. Uh, Oladipo's shot was goaltended in that last moment. 
but they have had chance after chance. They're the better team here, and, and the Cavs need something to change this uh, momentum. Well, the the issue has is, is always been Lou doesn't know how to manage this bench or this roster the way it should be. Uh, that's my biggest criticism. Yeah, uh, and, and, and his sub, you know substitution packages and sharing minutes and everything else. He has not, to me, put together a, a good roster. And I I don't know if LeBron wants to take over coaching duties as he's done before in the past uh, mm. to, to sort of say who deserves to be in there. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting watch. Let me tell you something too. I don't think Indiana is a very good team either. I mean, I, no, I they're think they're just the better Pacers, than the Cavs. Yeah, they're better than the Cavs, but the Pacers are. They run one of the more simplistic offenses that I've seen. It's Oladipo one-on-one, Darren mm-hmm. Collison one-on-one, Lance mm-hmm. Stevenson one-on-one. By the way, whenever LeBron James writes a book, and I'm sure he will someday, I want an entire chapter dedicated to LeBron and Lance Stevenson because it just cracks me up. <laughs> it, like Lance is just like a gnat out there on the floor. He's invading LeBron's airspace. He's flopping all over the place. And give LeBron credit. like He doesn't often react to Lance Stevenson, who has been there sometimes literally in his ear for the better part of this decade. But in this series, he's reacted to him. Picked up a technical foul going back and forth with him. uh, Shoved him to the ground um, in the latter stages of uh, Game 6. Lance Stevenson is having an impact on this series. I would love to know someday just in, you know, 5,000 words in a chapter on LeBron and Lance Stevenson. That, that See, I would have taken a haymaker to his chin a long time ago. That's just Yeah, but I, that's I, what he wants <laughs> you to do. He wants he like, He'll take the punch. He'll take the I hits. Just, like, you, you, you know, you're absolutely right when you describe him as a net. Just that, oh, like, you, you're bugging the hell out of me. I, can, I can't imagine being LeBron James and having to deal with him time and time again, not only in the same conference, but in this multi-game series. I have, I've had to see you for seven games. Uh, <laughs> with no, <laughs> I don't know what no it is about Lance. I don't know what it is about Lance Stevenson either. Like everywhere he's gone, other than Indiana, it's been a total disaster. He goes to Charlotte, it's a mess. He goes to New Orleans, doesn't make an impact. He goes back right. to Indiana, and he's an impact player. Like he's he's making plays off the bench. He's he's thriving defensively. There's something about being within that Pacers system that works for Lance Stevenson. And if the Pacers yeah. are going to win tonight, Lance is going to have to be impactful on the defensive end of the floor. And uh, Thaddeus Young is going to have to be impactful. They're going to have to change things up, mix things up, throw things at LeBron um, that force him to give up the basketball. Lance is going to have to have a big game, but he's 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 just crazy. He's just completely back. <laughs> that crazy. is true. And he's, he's touched. Just, he is definitely he's, touched. He's, <laughs> you know, they, they should. I mean, I, I think anybody can come out of the East this year, but whoever comes out of the East, you know, when they invite them to the finals, say, "Now we're good. Now we're, we're we're good because we don't we don't need to go and to Oakland and you know play that team again." I, I was at Lincoln a few of the Pelicans games uh-huh. in the uh, first round when they, okay. they whooped up on Portland, yeah. and I thought they were pretty good. I mean, they they've got a good uh, defensive coaching staff. Rondo playoff Rondo out there has played great. Anthony Davis you know, looked like the best player in basketball in the first yes, four rounds and, yeah. and in the first four games, and they go out to Oakland. And they just get their ass kicked. They got put like in their just, place. I mean, like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that was like, this is a, a Warriors team without Steph Curry. It's, it's Oh, man. You know, it was cheering. so unfair watching it, Chris. I was just like, I was like, oh, this isn't even right. I, I guess I was I was lulled into a, a, a sense of, uh, I mean, not entitlement's the wrong way, but, but lulled in something, a sense of grandeur, the thinking that the Pelicans were, Pelicans were going to actually give them a series oh, after God. what they did to Portland. And, and, and then within the first half, I was lulled to sleep. <laughs> it was like, wow, they beat and the snot is, out of them. <laughs> and this is why, too, when, you know, over the last month, when people were looking at Boston and the Gordon Hayward watch 
was going on, and people wondered if Kyrie Irving was going to play through the pain with his knee injury. The Celtics, their position on all this has been, okay, we could you know, you know put our nose down, get to the finals, and then what? Like, is it worth going all out with our 25, 26-year-old superstars and our 21- and 20-year-old supporting cast and Tatum and Brown, who are terrific, is it worth it to get to the finals to get our clock cleaned? I mean, the Celtics, their championship window opens next season, right? Like, yeah. their their window opens next year when Hayward's back, when Irving's back, when Jason Tatum can finally buy beer, when Jalen Brown will be 22 years old. I mean, this is a group of, of players that's built to win starting next season. It just right. isn't worth it for anybody outside of Cleveland and Toronto. Anybody else in the East, it's like, all right, well, we can win the East, then we get to the finals, and, and, and then yeah, what happens? Right. We just get, yeah, exactly. it just gets smacked around. It's just not fair. I mean, that, that Warrior team is not going anywhere either. Like, they're going to be, I mean, all those guys are late 20s, early 30s at the oldest. Like, they're just going to be there forever. And they've done things so well with contracts that until, like, 2020, they're not going to have any real problems with their salary cap. And around yeah. that same time, they've got that brand new building opening in uh, in, in, San in San Francisco, San Francisco. which is going to provide limitless revenue, right. you know, kind of for them. So this is it's not good for the rest of the NBA after watching. I'm curious the, if you see it the way the, the games the way I, I, I do. Um, when you watch the Warriors play, as efficient they are as sharing the ball, movement, and everything else. When you watch other teams, like you, you refer to Indiana, I mean, there's countless yeah. other teams, even Milwaukee. The the fact that you just see a bunch four guys standing around watching a guy who has a ball, yeah, Not, and, and and it's like it's almost it, it's it's boring. It, I mean, it really is. It's boring because isolation basketball has gotten old because the athletes aren't as excellent as a Kobe Bryant's or the Le, consistently or the LeBron James and stuff like that. So it, it's really it. And then when you see an efficiency, an efficient machine that is Golden State, it's hard to say who's going to be able to beat them. Who's ever well, going to be able to outscore them? Well, it also doesn't work that that isolation basketball it just doesn't. I mean, you know, Milwaukee should be embarrassed. Milwaukee had the best player on the floor in this series by a lot in Giannis, and they get beaten seven games. They had mm-hmm. a Boston team which was playing there. And look, I'm not knocking Terry Rozier, who's turned out to be a very good player, but he was their Kale backup Strong. point guard. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, you've got Aaron Baines out there, playmates. Shemi Ojale. I mean, Shemi Ojale could walk down this studio right now and that I'm in, and nobody would recognize no him because <laughs> he's nobody would know who he is. This guy was a mop-up guy <laughs> early in the season, and all of a sudden he's right. out there as the Giannis stopper. So, right. uh, you know, they should be like, and that comes down to coaching too. That's why Milwaukee, they need a great coach. Indiana, yeah. Nate McMillan's done a nice job, but they can't be isolation heavy and expect to win anything uh, moving forward. All right, 877-996-6369 is the phone number, 877-996-6369. We'll take a break. When we come back, I do want to look back at some of the other teams or some of the other draft picks that were made, winners and losers, so to speak, in the NFL draft over the last couple of days. It's Chris and Karan, Chris Maddox, and Lincoln Kennedy here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Maddox, Lincoln Kennedy sitting in for Karan today. There's great news, a quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. So four quarterbacks, Lincoln, taken inside the top 10. If... You could have one. If you think 10 years from now, if you could name one who has had the best career, who do you think it's going to be? I'm going to go a little bit of a limb. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, here, here's the thing. I, I, believe, I believe Sam Darnold is the most pro-ready. Okay. Yeah. 
But I think, I honestly believe that Josh Allen is going to have the best career. Okay. Because I believe the situation that is coming up in Buffalo, uh, the the dynasty that is New England is going to fall, and there's going to be a team that's going to step up. And I think Buffalo is on the verge of taking that next step. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm a Rosen guy. His mm-hmm. concussions worry me. Like the, the concussions, a couple of concussions he suffered in college, that worries me. And I wonder if if he suffers one more, does he start thinking about life after football? That's something that occurred to me over the last year as yep. as I kind of followed his career. That's exactly what happens. But he's got he's got some serious, serious skills. Like that is a tremendously skilled uh, quarterback. I I know that neither one of us said Baker Mayfield was going to have the best career, and that's the number one pick in the draft. That's that's, <laughs> that's that, that rarely happens. I mean, come on, it doesn't happen all the time. But well, I think the question is going to be. I mean, the question for the Browns is going to be like, did you would you be better off if you drafted Sam Darnold and Bradley Chubb over Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward? That's something that they're going to have to answer for. Not next year necessarily because players are going to be figuring themselves out, but over the next you know year three, year four, when these guys become kind of formed products are they going to regret it well i mean look you're absolutely right because we always go over with a like with a fine-tooth comb some of these picks but it doesn't really become evident for a mm-hmm. couple of years and it's always been known in my opinion chris is that if you if you miss at quarterback in the first round you set your team back for a good four years yeah you don't you don't recover until then so you know we'll, we'll just have to wait and see my thing about Josh Rosen, and this is what worries me, is that I do think he's talented, and I think he's a quarterback who's capable of doing anything that you need. But I'm worried about the offensive line that's around him and to protect him, and and especially in this division, the NFC West division. I'm you 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 see what uh, the the Rams have done. 49ers are on a rise defensively. Mm-hmm. You know there's still a capable defense playing out of Seattle. So unless you address the protection issues and keep him protected, which I don't think they've done a, a good job at doing. I'm I'm worried about him, especially well, unless Sam Bradford. Well, yeah, I mean, unless Sam Bradford, unless his knee is falling off, I would play him all season long. I, I don't, I wouldn't let Josh Rosen see the field this season because for all the things you mentioned, and I, I look, you can go both ways with, with yeah. how to develop a quarterback. You know, throw him to the fire has advantages. Troy Aikman certainly thrived um, after being in, in a tough situation. Peyton Manning, same thing. But Aaron Rodgers is one of many quarterbacks, and along with Tom Brady, that you know held a clipboard and. And benefited from it. So I would go, especially with Rosen dealing with all the, the, the concussion issues he dealt with in college, I would sit him on that bench and I would say, look, enjoy the view. Hold the clipboard. Get to know an NFL offense. Get to know a new system. And then let Sam Bradford try to earn his keep out there. Well, the only problem with that is that the last five years, Bradford hasn't been able to stay healthy That's the true. entire season. That's true. That's true. Well, as long as he can, then just like until exactly. you know that that cliche of like until the wheels fell off, until his wheel well, actually they're, they're they're starting to limp on the line line up, but they're going about to fall off on Bradford for yeah. sure. I do find yeah. interesting though, as as and you mentioned the Patriots, um, the fact that for the first time in a long time, there are you know potential threats at quarterback to Tom Brady because that's been right. kind of the tomato can division for for so long. Now you have Allen, now you have Bradford, uh, or not not Bradford, you have Darnold. So you're good to go there. All right, 877-996-6369 is the phone number. A lot more coming up next. Chris and Karan with Lincoln Kennedy here on Fox Sports. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports. Lincoln Kennedy sitting in for Karan Butler. Hour two here on the program. What's happening, Lincoln? 
I am having a wonderful time, Chris. Glad to be with you, brother. Yeah, likewise, man. Likewise. We've been talking a lot about the NFL draft. We'll talk some basketball, too, as well. The Celtics, they knocked off the Bucks last night uh, in Game 7. The Cavs, they play a Game 7 of their own today. That game just about to tip off against the Indiana Pacers. Could it be LeBron James's last game in a Cavaliers uniform? We'll dive into that. Howard Beck, the great writer uh, over at Bleacher Report, he's going to join the show a little bit later on. But this week was all about the NFL draft and all about yeah. the top of the NFL draft as well. Baker Mayfield, who, I mean, his career is going to be defined by his draft position, right? I mean, if Baker Mayfield was like the 17th pick in the draft, we wouldn't be talking too much about him. Even if like the Browns moved up in the draft, if they were sitting in the second round, traded a couple of picks to get up back into the first round for a third pick to draft Baker Mayfield, we wouldn't be talking about this. But because the Browns took Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold, over Josh Allen, over Josh Rosen, he is going to be defined by it. He's the number one pick in the draft, and if he doesn't outplay those quarterbacks, and I think, Lincoln, we're going to know pretty soon if at least one of those quarterbacks can play. I'm not sure which one is going to get the run right away. Maybe it's Darnold because he is uh, more NFL-ready, as you said last hour, than some of these other uh, quarterbacks. Maybe it's Rosen just because you know Sam Bradford's like Mr. Glass out there. But I think we'll know pretty soon if one of these quarterbacks can play. And that, to me, is only going to amplify the pressure that's going to be on Baker Mayfield. And, and among other things, among many other things, I'm pretty interested to see how this guy responds to that pressure. This is a different kind of pressure than what he faced at Oklahoma, Big 12, big games out there. He's now the number one pick, man, and he's going to have to live up to those expectations. You, you talked about him last hour as an overachiever, and and um, that's not all bad in my opinion. When you really no. you're really going to go out and try it, I honestly think that the, the way the way the NFL sort of goes these days, Chris, is that no longer is uh, as much emphasis put on training camp because most of these teams don't really have a training camp. I think last year the Raiders were in quote unquote training camp for 13 days, which is not a training camp. These these days. The most teams are using the first four games of the regular season to get their starters in playing shape. They're afraid to play them on the pre in the preseason because they don't want to get anybody hurt. Um, with that being said, I think you're going to get a heavy dose of a lot of these young quarterbacks in the preseason just to showcase them in a uniform, sort of get the audience uh, uh, riled up about what they're capable of doing or or whether or not they should be in there. There's going to be some times you put them out there, and you're just going to put them out there for a little bit of work to see what they do. Baker Mayfield, to me, is going to go in at Cleveland Browns huddle in the first time he's out there in a preseason game, and he is going to try to do everything he can to electrify the audience or show why he should be should it was the number one pick in the draft and why Cleveland did not make mistakes. Now that could be good or bad because depending on how it turns out, we can sit there and say, "Oh, what an abysmal performance!" And you need to sit down and you need to let Tyrod Taylor take this team, or oh, well, he needs to play right away, which I I, we, I think we both think is going to happen sooner than later. Yeah, um, it's one of those things where you're going to it's a wait and see process, but there are going to be every one of all those new play, uh, quarterbacks who went. Even if there's a quarterback in place, everyone's going to be cowering or clamming for that new guy to get out there and showcase his talents. If you're a Baker Mayfield proponent, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. pro Baker Mayfield, you're part of the things you're looking at are his stats, right? His his right. numbers he put up, the accuracy he showed in the Big Twelve. But the critics of will say the Big Twelve is a different kind of conference. It's not the same as an SEC. It's not even the same as a Pac twelve necessarily, where right. guys like Darnold and, and Josh Rosen 
came from. Do you buy into that, that that Big 12 numbers are inflated and shouldn't be looked at through the same lens as SEC and other conference numbers? They're inflated because they don't play defense. Yeah, that's true. 62-57 <laughs> I mean, is the favorite score. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean it's, it's arena-style football, but, but they are what they are. I, I think what you, play, what you put into mind, if you're looking at any stat, is you look down at his, his third-down performance. Um, getting the first down or getting the big play. I think that's something that really bodes well for Baker Mayfield's stats because he was a guy that when you needed a play to get done, and they and of course build up to the draft when you're watching film, everybody was showcasing this is what Baker Mayfield did against Texas Tech. This is what Baker, you know, all these other games when they were down, Oklahoma needed a big one. How he came back and how he did it, uh, even in that playoff game that they had. Uh, so I, I think those are the stats that bode well, but. To try to hold them and, and say this is the standard on which you grade or you judge, it, it's kind of hard. I mean, like I said, everything's everything's a coin flip when it comes to the draft. You know that, Chris. Yeah, yeah. It just, I mean, well, look. I mean, the other counter to Baker Mayfield is the size, right? I mean, the size of Baker Mayfield is it going to be a problem in the NFL? I heard John Dorsey, the GM of the Browns, uh, bring up the fact that Mayfield didn't have a lot of passes batted down. Right. playing in college football, but, I mean, you played offensive line, Lincoln, for a long time. I mean, those offensive linemen in the NFL, bigger, stronger, and it's more difficult for a smaller quarterback to do it. Not to say they haven't. Obviously, the two prime examples, Drew Brees, future Hall of Famer, Russell Wilson, maybe a Hall of Famer someday. Um, you know, these guys are around six feet tall and have had successful NFL careers, but they're more the exception, right? I mean, they're more, they're not, the, the guys that are six feet tall generally aren't playing at the quarterback at the NFL level. Well, Drew Brees had to learn learn to to work his drop back very, fairly early in his career. When he first started, um, part of the Chargers' offense was to create passing lanes, natural passing lanes for him to see between the tackles. And then as he developed more and more, he dropped back further and was able to step up in the pocket. And if you watch his shotgun, the way he starts off basically three, four yards deep, which, is, uh, which consists basically of a five-step drop, he comes back two yards, two more steps, and then he pushes the, the forward. Now, that as, that as that develops, the natural passing lanes open up. And Drew Brees also has a sight of knowing where, uh, uh, trusting where his receiver is going to be when they run their routes. So he's, that's been able to work for him. Russell Wilson has been, a, what, has been a, a marvel at improvising a lot of times. I mean, he's still part of the offense, but he does get a deep drop too. That's what you have to create in your offense. Uh, for the smaller quarterbacks, get a little bit deeper so they can see a little bit better down the field. What that does is it puts the illness on your offensive line. And so for Baker Mayfield, you got to make sure you have the right amount of protection. And I think that that's one of the things that Cleveland is going to definitely have to work on. Bigger risk to you taking Baker Mayfield over the other three quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 or taking Denzel Ward over Bradley Chubb at number four? Denzel. Yeah, I'm kind of Definitely with you. There. I mean, I, I think the quarterback can have the longest term impact on right. a team. Like, I'm not right. sure that drafting Ward over Chubb will necessarily kill them as badly as Mayfield being a bust. But I just look. The Broncos seem to me like a pretty smart organization. Like John Elway seems like a pretty smart guy. Uh, they've been successful, obviously, over the last decade. They seem pretty giddy at the possibility of grabbing Bradley Chubb. I mean, they had that that pick was on the auction block. Yeah, at least yes, according to all the reports that were out there. And as soon as Bradley Chubb was, they found out he was still there. They said, "No, no, 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 no! Screw it! We're taking this guy." And he and you see Von Miller with all the videos. They, they couldn't be happier about taking Bradley Chubb and Denzel Ward. I understand the need to bolster that defensive backfield, among other things they weren't good at last year in Cleveland. Uh, against the pass was a big part of it. Nineteenth 
in pass defense last year, but that's a pretty big risk to take passing on what could be a big-time defensive lineman who could also pair with uh, last year's number one pick and give them one of the best defensive lines in football. Well, I agree with you. I thought if they had him with Miles Garrett, that would make a damn, damn formidable defense. Um, and, and you're right, that pick was being shopped around. One of the teams that I have uh, dealing with, the Raiders, is, was one of those teams that were reported because they were trying to try to jump up and get Roquan Smith because there was a feeling that the Colts might try to take him at that number six spot. Um, but Bradley Chubb in every mock draft from what I heard was never supposed to fall that far. And, and and of course, when he did, the Denver Broncos did not work on to give that pick up because now they had visions of what they had a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl with DeMarcus Ware on one side and, and Von Miller on the other. Uh, and, and that's exactly what they got again. They got the makings of that type of pressure-packed defense with only rushing four, uh, and which means that you can't double or slide uh, to one side or the other. You have to have uh, ample protection to keep your quarterback upright. Isn't that you, – you can – it seems to me – that you can mask a lot of issues on your defense with a great four-man pass rush. I mean, the reason that the Patriots are not seven-time Super Bowl champions is because the Giants, in the years that they played them, had a great four-man pass rush. They got to Brady, they disrupted the offense by just rushing four. And we saw, prior to some of the injury issues they had with the Texans, the the impact that a J.J. Watt and Jadavian mm-hmm. Clowney can have on mm-hmm. that defensive line. It, it seems like a pretty big whiff because uh, by the uh, by, by the Browns because you can kind of flesh out that roster with you know free agent signees, late round draft picks. Take some roll the dice a little bit on on on, on defensive backfield guys and linebackers in the later rounds because you're protected to some degree because you have the, you would have those two strong defensive linemen who could get to the quarterback and disrupt things. I mean, if you have that. You can have an average defense at every other position because of how how much disruption you can cause the team's offense. Am I wrong? Well, no, you're absolutely right. If you have a four that can get to the quarterback without blitzing or doing you know anything extravagant, your defense is at a tremendous advantage. And if you're playing a team, say like the Patriots, who you know Tom Brady based everything off of pre-snap reads and timing. He's a he's a rhythmic quarterback. If you disrupt that rhythm in any way by let's say like what Seattle used to do, like press the 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 slot receivers, press the tight end, bump them off, and you're still able to generate pressure, cut that time that window down. It's 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 a huge advantage. You have so many things that you can do with a seven man combination on the back end, rushing four and having seven in coverage, than you can say rushing six and having five in coverage. I tell you what, John John Dorsey. At least he was bold, man. Like I mean, I, I don't well, know if it's going to work right. out for him. <laughs> I don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to work for him. But he's he's rolling the dice on a couple of different things. You know, I, I not to make a, a Cleveland comparison, but I remember when the Cavaliers drafted Anthony Bennett. It was like five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was. And Anthony Bennett was sitting there, and I don't think there was any other team. In fact, I know there was no other team in the first round. That was that would have taken him number one. The cap the, the Cavaliers at that time were alone on an island. I kind of feel, and I'm not as versed on this as I was in the NBA draft, but I kind of feel that it's the same thing with the NFL. I'm not like if the Jets were sitting there at number one, do you think they'd take Baker Mayfield? I don't. I, I no. think they take Sam no. Darnold. If yeah. the, the Bills could have moved up to number one, I don't think they take Baker Mayfield. If the Cardinals could have moved up to number one, I don't think they take Baker Mayfield. The Browns I don't know if they're the only team, but maybe they're one of a handful of teams that would have taken Baker Mayfield at the top. You know, for me, for, for as much college collegiate achievement as Baker Mayfield had, 
the fact that he wasn't talked about as a top-tier franchise quarterback was surprising. Yeah, yeah it really was. All right, we'll take a break. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. 877-996-6369. Cavaliers and Pacer underway. By the way, Tristan Thompson starting. This is like picking a name out of a hat for the Cavs <laughs> and deciding who is going to be in your starting line. We'll keep you updated on that. Also, Utah, they head into uh, Houston, game one of that series a little bit later on. We come back. I do want to talk to Lincoln about his Raiders. Had some interesting moves uh, on draft nights. And the New York Giants were not bold on draft night. Went with the safe pick. Was it the right pick? We'll get to that next. Chris Maddox, Lincoln Kennedy here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Garan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Maddox, Yahoo Sports, Lincoln Kennedy, former Pro Bowl offensive lineman, all pro offensive lineman. Charles Davis, NFL on Fox. He's going to join us about 10 minutes from now. Get his thoughts on Baker Mayfield, top of the draft. Mayfield, the Oklahoma quarterback, he goes number one. Four quarterbacks, though, drafted inside that top ten. Get Charles' thoughts on that just about 10 minutes from now. Let's grab a phone call here quick. Uh, Jeff in Florida, you're up first. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. Um, I just want to say I think Baker Mayfield going to have a great career as an NFL quarterback. And the reason why I think so, he got to stay at Oklahoma until he was 23. And I think that Sam Donald being only 20 years old, that could be one of his downfalls. You know, in some ways, I kind of want Baker Mayfield to do well. So did people like Colin get it wrong. And, you know, it would make me pretty happy. And I wouldn't mind seeing Cleveland win a Super Bowl. And maybe they beat Sam Donald. And, you know, all would be history. And I would enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. All right, thanks, Jeff. Thanks but, I mean, like, I'm, I don't mind being wrong. I'm wrong about, like, 90% of the things that I say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I, I have, know, like, a, yeah. Is there, is there any, you know, I guess this could apply to any draft uh, for any sport, but it's such a huge crapshoot. I've, I've often said when people have asked me about combine performances and stuff like that, I'm like, look, I, I've, I've come across many guys who – Look like Tarzan, but play like Jane. So I don't mm-hmm. really put you know any too much emphasis in a combine workout or or things like that or a scouting process until you see them on that level. And it's not so much about getting there; it's about how they can stay there and how they make a career out of what they do while they're there. That's more of the the, the greater intangible. No one can ever predict how well a guy is going to do or how good he's going to do based on when he was drafted, where he came from, or how long he played in college. All that stuff. I hate just combine workouts. I, I hate how they're <laughs> I, I just hate how they're given the same weight as what a guy did for multiple years in his college program. And and it's the sure. same thing with basketball. I have the same issue with the NBA combine. That's coming up in a couple of weeks and I have no doubt that I'll sit there with NBA execs and go, oh, did you did you see what the, what this guy did? He he, he ran the the forty yard dash. It was great. And he, he did the cone <laughs> drill better than anybody else. Like, geez, like shut up. Like watch the guy play in his games and use right. that as the, the the biggest thing. Every year, there's some guy that tests negatively at the combine, and I'm sure it's the same in the NFL, slips in the draft Certainly. and turns out to be a player. And the reverse is also true. God, I remember what was it? Darius Hayward Bay. I remember he was a big name. Yes. Like, yes. When the Raiders drafted him, right. like, could yep. run like Because he could run like, run like the wind. He's, he, that was an yeah. Al Davis specialty. Al, yep. oh, got to look at the speed guy. Yep. Got to get a burner out there. By the way, your Raiders. Uh, John Gruden, not worried about character issues at all. John Gruden Surprising. just... Uh, yeah, John, John Gruden is like, best guy on the board, best player I can get. They trade for Martavis Bryant. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be an interesting team this year, Lincoln. No, no doubt, and i got to cover them. Um, here, here's yeah. what I'll say. Um, what was surprising was the number of guys they did take with character issues. 
um, not only like Martavius Bryant Key um, uh, out of uh, uh, LSU. Um, they basically, to me, if you look at the size, they drafted a basketball team, six, six, yeah. six, eight, six. <laughs> but um, but the way that it fell, and, and I was there on draft night I, I, in in Oakland, the way that I saw it. When Roquan Smith was taken off the board, they had a need at right tackle. And I know a lot of people have said, well, they put so much money into the offensive line. They had a blaring hole for the last couple of years at right tackle. Uh, Marshall Newhouse that came over from the Giants last year wasn't, wasn't the fit. Before that, it was Menelik Watson, who uh, they laid, laid it go because they didn't want to commit top dollars to him. He wasn't playing well. Uh, and so they had to get a right tackle. And when their guy, like I said, I believe was Roquan Smith fell and went to the Bears a couple picks later, that made that um, that pick open for trade. Now, some people sit there and say, well, the Cardinals came out on the better end. Well, if it turns out with Josh Rosen and the franchise quarterback, all you had to do is you know swap picks and give up a third and a fifth round for a future quarterback. Yeah, you did come out on the better end. But the Raiders traded back to get uh, to, to go with a guy that I think would be a great use for them. Because one, uh, Colton Miller will come in. He'll play right tackle, which they have, as I mentioned, they have a hole for, a need for. And then when Donald Penn, uh, who's the starting left tackle, eventually leaves the game because he's 34 in age, uh, he'll move over to left side. And so you might have got your future, you know, left side or blind side protecting tackle, uh, franchise tackle for just having a 15th pick. Well, they gave Derek Carr a whole bunch of weapons too. I mean, that yes. is going to make them a dangerous offensive team next year. But one question I w- I have about Gruden and just I'm basing this largely on his public comments maybe you have some deeper insight into it I wonder if the game has passed him by a little bit like he just doesn't seem like he's he just seems to insist that how he did things in his last coaching gig which was like a decade plus ago Mm -hmm. um, how he did things he can just do the exact same thing am I reading that wrong because it seems like Gruden is is, every time he he speaks and, and I remember reading that long Sports Illustrated story on him um, he, he just seems to think that his way will continue to work. And that surprised me a little bit, especially coming from a guy that has seen the way the NFL has changed over the years, right? Like he's worked. It's not like he's gone and, you know, you know, lived in a foreign country for the last decade. Right. He has been calling big-time game for ESPN. He has been conducting these quarterback camps on TV. He has been visiting teams left and right. I always see him around uh, the NFL. Mm-hmm. He, he just like this kind of smash-mouth football that he believes in he thinks it's still going to work. Do you see any problem well, or do you have any issue with that? I don't. I think that, like I said, power running game is coming back in. I think Gruden's trying to recreate what had when I played for him. One year we went to the AFC Championship, we led the league in the rushing. The second year, the time we went to the Super Bowl, we were number one in offense, even though he was with the, the Buccaneers. We had a number one ranked offense. His formula uh, put us in that position, and I had some of my greatest years playing under his system. I think it's making a comeback. Um, and and I think it'll it'll work if he has the right guys. I do know what Gruden has done is it leaves a lot to be desired because in the sense they signed twenty one free agents, they basically have a glorified tryout. If you look at the draft that they've had over the weekend, um, there are a lot of questionable issues because you've got Maurice Hurst, who was first round talent, defensive tackle, who fell to the fifth round where he did, and because of the heart issues, many people took him off his board, off their board, because they said there might be some health issues. There are a lot of questionable picks, not only on character, which was one of the reasons why you know they let uh, they let the punter go, <laughs> you know they, yeah. they, they because it was character, but they bring guys in that have character issues or have had character issues. It's it leaves a lot to be desired. So. I agree with the point where he might be living a little bit off of nostalgia and in the past 
and it might not work. I just I don't think you have a Tiger who's going to change his stripes. Because even if Marty Schottenheimer got up out of his bed and came in coach, he would still do the same thing that he did when he was coaching. Yeah. Now, you or say Dick Vermeil or anything like that. You think that smash mouth football is coming back. Now, to you, does that justify what the Giants did on draft night? You know, uh, basically passing on what could be the heir apparent to Eli Manning, Sam Darnold, who they're going to have to be looking at right across the hall uh, every day when they come to that Giants facility where uh, uh, to play games. Sam Darnold, that's going to be his home. New Jersey, New York, they're going to have to read the back page clips. They're going to have to watch him play for the next decade plus in a Jets uniform. And if he pans out... They're gonna. They're not gonna be able to avoid it. But they draft Barkley. They're doing it. It seems like to maximize what's left in Eli Manning's career. Uh, do you think that was the right move for the Giants to make? I do think it's the right move, and I think that Smash Mouth football is coming back. You don't have to look that far. Look at Ezekiel Elliott when he came into the league. He led. No one rushed the ball more than the Cowboys, and they finished a thirteen-three record that year. There were a couple of plays from you know going farther than playoffs and probably challenged for a Super Bowl. Um, they, they committed resources to their offensive line. They committed resources to their backfield. They had a quarterback who wasn't necessarily a prolific passer but could work somewhat on Dak Prescott out of play action and had a couple weapons that were useful. Now, they've got to recreate themselves with, uh, with it, but I do believe that going for Saquon Barkley at the number 2 spot was the right thing to do. Uh, and, and committing you – know, yeah, your point we made last hour was about – the fact that whether or not this team is going to win a Super Bowl within the next two years, why not draft yeah. a franchise quarterback? I, I just think that you don't pass up on the talent because I think this back can be useful in your offense or what the other pieces you have around it. But are running backs far more replaceable than quarterbacks are? Like if you can just, it seems like you can just find a running back second, third round. Like would it surprise me? Like say for for the Browns, if uh, right. Nick Chubb turns out Nick. to be a great player. I mean, that's one of the. You know, one of the great uh, SEC running backs of all time, Certainly. playing in a big-time conference. So I, he could turn out to be a good player. They get him in the second round. Now, Barkley may be a better player, but can they find over the next two to three years a Sam Darnold type? Can they find somebody on that level? It's the same problem that the Patriots are going to have. I mean, they had an opportunity. Yeah. Not that I'm putting um, Lamar Jackson on the same level as Sam Darnold, but they had an opportunity to draft someone that they could groom as the heir to Tom Brady. They didn't. And now they're kind of stuck with an aging quarterback who is still a very good quarterback. Uh, I, it just feels like the the running back position is something that you can get later in the draft or in free agency. The quarterback's been proven out. You really can't. Well, Chris, that's been the philosophy for so many years until the last couple of drafts. As I mentioned, Ezekiel Elliott, number four to the Cowboys, rushes for what, 1,600 yards or something like that his first year yeah. or whatever it was. You know, they go 13-3. and three. Leonard Fournette, the fourth pick for the Jaguars last year, comes out and rushes for however many yards they do. Look at the Jaguars season. Look what they had based on a solid running game. And Chris Bortles wasn't exactly the most prolific passing quarterback out there. But look yeah. how far they went. They went to the AFC Championship game. So that that changed the number of people's outlooks when it comes to running back. And especially a talent, as you saw, showcased in Penn State for Saquon Barkley, you can't really afford to pass on up, pass him up. Because somebody else is going to snag and make 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 a you know make a gold uh, make it make it happen. Um, so I think the philosophy is slowly shifting on running back. And I'm not going to say go as far as saying they're going to go number one because mm-hmm. there's still an emphasis to most general managers I know. The premier position is rush in, left tackle, and quarterback. That's those are the two premier, and then closely fo- followed behind by a shutdown corner if you could find one. Um, those are the ones that usually go number one, but. You know, a premier running back like Saquon Barkley, a talent who's capable of catching out of the backfield and doing all the things he can do for your return game if you ask him to, that's a rarity. 
some big risks taken uh, in this True. draft. Five years from now, we're going to look back maybe on this draft, and uh, teams will either be happy with what they took or maybe having a lot of what-ifs about who they didn't take. All right, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Lincoln Kennedy filling in uh, for Karan Butler, 877-996-6369 is the number. When we come back, Charles Davis, NFL on Fox. He's going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on everything that's going on. But first, let's check in with Kevin Figures, see what's going on out there. What's up, Kevin? All right, guys, we've got about three minutes remaining in the first quarter in Cleveland. Game seven between the Cavaliers and the Pacers. Cavs up 21-14. to Chris mentioned earlier Tristan Thompson getting the start for the first time this series. Only played 24 minutes so far and probably the MVP of the game right now if we have to go off early numbers. Unbelievable. Six what points and seven How boards, Tristan Chris. Thompson? How does Tristan Thompson make an impact? Fresh How? legs, Chris. Fresh legs. Oh. Fresh legs. Fresh legs, yeah. Been sitting on the bench. The guy's huge. Been sitting on the bench the entire time. He has fresh legs out there. So right now, Pacers shooting just 41% from the field. So he's cleaning up the boards right now. LeBron James, by the way, six points as well to help lead the Cavaliers. Later this afternoon, around 3.30 Eastern time, Jazz are in Houston taking on the Rockets. Utah, without Ricky Rubio, injured his hamstring in their win over the Thunder on Friday. Could be out for as many as 10 days, so that can have a major impact on that series. The Rockets, by the way, could be getting back one of their better defensive players, Luke Mbamute, listed as questionable after he sat out the first round with a shoulder injury. Baseball scores early on. The Orioles jumped out to a 1-0 lead over Detroit. Trey Mancini is solo home run. Rangers over the Blue Jays right now, 1-0 in the second. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Stanley Cup playoffs at 3 Eastern time. Penguins will not have the services of Evgeny Malkin. They look to take a two-games-to-none lead over the Capitals in the district. Malkin set out game one after suffering a lower about an injury in the series against the Flyers earlier last week. All right, back to Chris and Karan with big number 72 sitting in for Tough Juice. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Lincoln Kennedy filling in for Karan Butler today, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studio. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So we spent the last 90 minutes or so sort of talking about the uh, NFL draft. Baker Mayfield goes number one, big risk for the Cleveland Browns. Denzel Ward, number four, also a big risk for the Cleveland Browns. We'll second with Charles Davis, NFL on Fox, NFL Network analyst. He joins us here on the show. Charles, I- I've been kind of uh, going back and forth a little bit here, but I'm ready to say it, man. I think the Browns had a terrible draft. I think the Browns are going to look back and say, man, we should have taken Sam Darnold at number one. Man, we should have taken Bradley Chubb at number four. I think this is going to be a 30-for-30 type of draft in like 10 years when you look back on it. Will it take 10 years to do the 30-for-30? Maybe not. cut it down to five? We'll whittle it down to like a 30-for-30 short then at that point. (laughs) Well, good good morning or afternoon or whatever it is, right, with Jim Carrey and the Truman Show. Good morning. Good afternoon. If I don't see you, good evening. Um, It's an interesting draft, to put it mildly, because I think if you are a fan of the Browns, you're going to come down on it the way you did, Chris, and others will come down on it and feel like it was darn good, but only I think mainly because of Mayfield. There are plenty of Mayfield supporters out there. I had him as my number two quarterback. I had Darnold as one, and I thought Darnold all the way up to the minute they called Mayfield's name. I thought they would still call Darnold's name, even though I kept hearing the momentum building. But I am not, I'm not averse to Mayfield like it's going to be a disaster. I think that he has everything that they are looking for and the reasons that they they decided to go get him. But at the same time, you also know that convention 
sometimes comes into play, and they went really unconventional, and that's tough when you're one in thirty-one over your last thirty-two games. I think I, I had I listen. I had more consternation about the Chubb pit, the, the not taking Chubb at four and taking Ward yeah. than I did about not taking Darnold at one and Mayfield. I wasn't over the moon about this quarterback crop. So for me, that's not as big an issue as it is the, what they did at four. And I have an even bigger issue. An issue is not the right word, but I wouldn't have had Antonio Callaway on my draft board. So that's where I am. Go ahead, Lincoln. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, you had mentioned that Darnold was your number one. When you evaluated these two quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, what was what 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 excelled Darnold in front of uh, Baker in your opinion? I, I think Lincoln, for me, is he's a redshirt sophomore that I feel has more room to grow. I think that he's going to grow into who he is a little bit more. I think that the the issues that that, that we have or what we saw on tape are correctable in terms of ball security. I think he forced a few things sometimes, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that, but a lot of great ones do. I just thought that, that his upside, you know, draft buzz term, right? I thought his upside was, was going to continue to grow. I don't think that Mayfield is a flat-out, this is all we have out of him, but he has rung as much out of his ability as any of the quarterbacks in this draft, and I think he's closer to the finish line than, that, than I think Darnold is, and that's where I think I would have probably come back with Darnold. Do you do you worry though, um, Charles, that there's a ceiling on a Baker Mayfield? I mean, he's such an overachiever, right? A guy that was yeah, that's, oh, yeah, you know. that's what I was alluding to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, is is it is it is, like that? That would concern me. Like, I I love the overachiever. I love the guy that's accomplished, you know, more than people expected him to do. Just not at number one and not at the quarterback position. I, I want the blue blood. I want the blue chip prospect at that position. I want the next member of the Manning family. I, I want you know the, these, these guys that are, are prototypical quarterbacks. It just seems like there's, there may be a ceiling on this kid, I, whereas I don't see that ceiling on a Sam Darnold. You know, I understand where you're coming from, and that's kind of what I alluded to, that there might be less that you can get from Mayfield, that he has to, you know, kind of wrung out everything he can to get to this point the flip side of this whole thing is maybe we just haven't done a great job of evaluating him along the way you know when when you've got a kid who's a super achiever like like mayfield you know the story of course is that he had no scholarships coming out of out of high school that's that's incorrect he had a few offers they just weren't offers that were attractive to him and washington state was one of them he wanted to stay closer to home be in texas that sort of deal so they chose to walk on at Texas Tech. So that helps bur- you know, burnish the legend a little bit. You know, Oklahoma, where he walked on again, well, if they had known, you know, that he wanted to come, I don't know we would have had that same story. You know what I mean? Because they knew him. They, they watched him play against him in the Big 12. They, they knew this kid. He would have been immediately, you know, hey, let's get him on scholarship and let's rock and roll. So it's all those things going. Don't forget, Texas Tech went through a lengthy deal of not releasing him. So you had a lot of those things that went along with it, allowed, the, again, the legend to continue to grow. But did we really evaluate him correctly coming out of high school? The answer, obviously, was no. Did we evaluate him as you know, a college player? The answer, obviously, was no. Maybe you know, we're putting limits on this kid that aren't there. I will tell you, where, I, where I'm most concerned about him is not his size, it's not any of that. He's got everything I think you're looking for. Look at what Case Keenum did last year, Breeze, what he's done, Russell Wilson, what he's done. So it's more than possible. For me, I just want to know that he's just going to stick to 
I'm going to play quarterback. I will hear the insults and slights, but I won't, I won't spend time throwing hands with all of them, who, all the people who do do that to me. I think Lincoln, I'm going to ask you, Lincoln, as, as a player, you, you hear all the criticism, right? You know who yeah. said something bad about you. You know who, who didn't, didn't like your play. Certainly. How often are you going to confront them? How often are you going to respond on Twitter? How often are you going to say, I'll show you? You know, it's it, it's a rare deal. Now we've had confrontation. I'm not saying I do all the time. It. Twitter trolls suck. <laughs> I do all the time. You kidding me? You hate my writing. You, you you're going to hear from me. But but, but and, I, and I like your feistiness, Chris. But how many how many top quarterbacks do it? Yeah, you know they know, but they just go they just go about their business. And that's the only thing I want to make sure. I should say I should make sure. It's the one thing I'd love to see with Baker because I know he's responded to a few of us along the way. And I think that's just that's just noise taking time out of his schedule. He doesn't need to worry about. Another thing that Chris and I were talking about during the show is is whether or not the Giants made a mistake not get drafting a franchise quarterback. They had the ability at number two and taking Saquon Barkley. Your thoughts of the pick? I thought that they were very true to who they're trying to be now. Very true to who the GM is and Dave Gettleman. They don't believe they're as far away as maybe the rest of us do. <laughs> and so they're not about to go ahead and do that. And you know what else it told me? That they just weren't crazy about this quarterback crop. And remember, they ended up later on drafting Kyle Lalletta, who we thought teams that were quarterback needy in the future as well would be interested in. And New Orleans, right? Someone, you know, as you're, as you're ready to make the trade up, for, for, not up, but trade on from your guy. New Orleans would fit that bill. The Los Angeles Chargers with Phillip Rivers would fit that bill. The Giants fit it. But once they passed on Dar- you know, early on Darnold, we thought that they just weren't in the quarterback market. So I'm not as concerned about that because I thought the rest of their draft was pretty darn good. And getting Lawletta instead of Lawletta ending up in New England, which a lot of us thought he might do, I thought, yeah, I, I really liked it because I thought that, again, as I said, Gettleman – you know, was very true to who he is and what, the, what he's trying to put, present with his football team. Tough, physical, ball players that he can get on the field early and can help make a difference with his team. Barkley, of course, was, was the standout, but Will Hernandez is going to start immediately on the offensive line. You know, I think that Lorenzo Carter helps them obviously greatly with the pass rush. B.J. Hill, next to Snacks Harrison, that really helps you in the middle of the middle of the defensive front. So I like a lot of what they did. And then, of course, we mentioned Lawletta already. Got about a minute left, Charles. Let me ask you this. Did the Patriots make a mistake not drafting Lamar Jackson? Because the Ravens certainly seemed happy to be able to move up and get him at the last pick of that first round. <sighs> I, I, I always measure myself with the Patriots about whether they made a mistake or not because they usually are playing chess and I'm playing checkers. They have a very narrow board, meaning most teams will have 150 guys on their board, and they'll have 75. And if they don't fit exactly what they're looking for, exactly what their criteria is, and this is a point I made yesterday, and I'll, I'll be very succinct here. Think over the years, other than Garoppolo, who they drafted in the second round, since Brady's been there, who have been his backups? Oh, Mallet Matt, Ca- and, yeah. Matt Castle, oh, who boy. was a surprise <laughs> pick, right? And later ended up playing in a Pro Bowl. And won a division with Kansas City. And he had that 11-5 and year with New England. Both Matt Castle, Brian Hoyer. I think Ryan Mallett was a third-round pick before they were able to move him on. And then let, they brought Hoyer back again last year. So they don't put a lot of capital into that backup as a general rule. Garoppolo should have been the heir apparent. 
I'm still kind of puzzled about how that worked out. But now they, you know, they hit the reset. So they don't put a lot of capital in unless they really have the faith that he's going to be the guy, and they just roll that way. So that didn't surprise me at all. Remember, they drafted Danny Etling from mm-hmm. LSU, and that everybody was like, what, what, where'd that come from? Well, that's kind of how they've been. Charles, always great to talk to you, man. We appreciate the time. Thanks a lot, guys. You take care of yourselves, and I'm about to go into a coma for the next 24. <laughs> you take care. <laughs> See you, Charles. Thanks, man. <laughs> As Charles Davis, Fox Sports NFL uh, Network analyst, joining us here, Chris and Karam with Lincoln Kennedy here uh, on Fox Sports Radio. A lot more to get to. I want to dive into a few other picks, including the Josh Allen pick with the uh, Buffalo Bills. Do the Bills get their man at quarterback? That's next. Chris and Karam with Lincoln Kennedy here on Fox Sports Radio. Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer makes it easier to protect what you love. Just go online, compare quotes, and choose what's right for you. Progressive.com is your home for all things home insurance. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Lincoln Kennedy sitting in for Karan Butler today. So we haven't talked a lot, Lincoln, about Josh Allen. He goes number seven overall to the Buffalo Bills. And before we get to the kind of player he's going to be, because he was inconsistent last year at Wyoming, kind of looked at it as a guy with great physical tools, but maybe not someone that's put it all together quite yet. During the week, there was the unearthing of some racially insensitive tweets that Allen sent while he was, uh, I believe, back in high school. Now, right. Uh, Allen has apologized for them. I saw Lorenzo Alexander, the Bills captain. He said that Allen's going to have to address them. Uh, how big an issue do you think that's going to be in the uh, Bills locker room early on? Not really an issue. I, I don't think it foresee it's an issue. Look, I played with many a guys that I would not sit down and have dinner with. <laughs> but the, but there but the thing is, when we don the colors, I I, I treated them like brothers. I, re- I remember having a conversation with, with Romanowski uh, one time when he finally joined the Raiders. And, Thank God and Twitter told, wasn't around when Romanowski Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine like, in like, his playing <laughs> yeah. days, there was like regular Twitter? God. <laughs> and I, I told him straight up, I was like, look, man, I, I said, now that you're a Raider, I, I hated playing against him when he was with the 49ers and the Broncos, obviously, but um, I, I told him, like, you know, now that you're a Raider, I, I will go to war with you. I will fight next to you because you're you're my teammate, and I, I think we need you to win. And, and and he respected that. And I also followed it up closely by saying, but if you ever spat in my face like you did J.J. Stokes when you got in that fight with him, for the rest of my life, every time I saw you, I would fight you. <laughs> I don't care if you were walking with your family. I would fight you um, because it was, to me, the most disgusting thing that anybody can do to anyone else. I said that I say that to say this because I think believe I believe that in that locker room somebody's going to have to approach him and just get his side of the story and have him and see and look in his eyes and see how sincere he is in, in, in explaining it. We all make mistakes. No one's perfect. No, and no one's going to sit there and, and automatically condemn, in my opinion, Joshua Allen as a racist because he made some racially insensitive comments in his past. Um, but but there are going to be times where he's going to have to either you know whether it's uh, you know. Uh, one of the players or all the players where he might have to feel the need to explain himself. But the bottom line is athletes just want to win. So if he comes up there and lights a scoreboard up for Buffalo, they don't care what the hell he said in high school. Mm-hmm. He's a Buffalo Bill now. We're winning. Bill's Mafia is going to embrace him and everything else. Um, that's that's what it comes down to. Uh, but I, like I said, there, there have been many guys that I played with I, I wouldn't even go over to their house or have dinner with them. and didn't mean I wouldn't play hard with them. It's just how it is. I agree with you that – 
if handled properly, this can all be kind of swept under the rug and go away. But devil's advocate, is it different when it's a quarterback? Like if Bill Romanowski was your quarterback back then and he's expected to be kind of the face of the franchise and a leader, would that have been different? I don't think he has to win the team over with anything other than his play. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, no, it makes sense. Especially, I mean, he is he is the focal point of the team. No, no, no doubt, he is. Um, if he carries himself in any you know, racially insensitive way, then he would have some to answer with some guys uh, on the, on that team. There's no doubt about that. But I just don't foresee that. I don't see that happening. Yeah, well, it's uh, I'm curious when he gets a shot to play too on that uh, Bills team because he seems like a guy that needs some seasoning. He needs some time holding There's no that doubt. clipboard. But do, don't you agree, Chris, that he's probably as far as the quarterbacks are available, someone who needs to be able to hold it and play in cold weather. Yeah, he's was the most likely candidate, right? Yeah, no, I I agree, I agree. I think the Bills did the right thing moving up, and yeah. I like the fact that in the AFC East you now have some young quarterbacks that can challenge the supremacy at some point uh, of one Tom Brady. All right, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, Lincoln Kennedy filling in uh, for Karan Butler. If you had Tristan Thompson being an impact player in Game Seven for the Cleveland Cavaliers, well. You're a smarter man than I am. I'm going to talk to Howard Beck, the senior NBA writer for Bleach Report. He's going to join the show next. Chris and Karan here on Fox. Hour three of the program, Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, Lincoln Kennedy, all-pro offensive lineman, filling in for Karan Butler today. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote today. As I said, Lincoln, at the top of the show, you can't stop Tristan Thompson you can only hope to contain him. We had that audio, right? Uh, yeah. It got lost. Oh, my bad. It got lost. It's okay. I understand. I mean, people listening, oh, they boy. they heard it. What the hell is going on in Cleveland? The Cavs are up right now, but they wouldn't be if Tristan Thompson didn't get the start and contribute six points and seven boards in the first quarter. What? what You're is absolutely happening? right. I, I don't know what it is, but you know what's know. funny is I turned on the TV copy and and I see that the, you know, the stat LeBron seven to seven uh, and seven for seven, and then I see him mouth the words of Oladipo. I'm going to be here all game. Yeah. And and the moment it comes out of his hands, Nobody they kind of go. I mean, they kind of the uh, Indiana goes on a 10-0 run. The moment the ball is not in uh, LeBron's hands, scoring wise, and then of course who shows up? Trenton Thompson, as you mentioned, uh, for some critical points and some critical uh, contributions. There's no lead. There's no lead that is safe for the Cavaliers. Like there's no lead they can build that a team can't come back from because their defense is horrible. We talked about this, and we actually talked about this off the show. They're they're. Indiana's not a good team. Like, Indiana is just, they're not some juggernaut that is going to potentially get through a Game 7 against Cleveland and all of a sudden turn into an Eastern Conference contender. I I think if Indiana wins this series, they wind up losing the next round to Toronto. Um, But the problem is Cleveland's just so bad defensively. They just, they, they don't get stops. They don't have great individual defenders. There's just not a lot to like about this Cleveland team outside of LeBron James. I'm I'm, I'm a little torn. I got to be honest with you, Chris, because I, yet I like to see new blood. I don't want to see the same old finals like we've seen for the last three years. I want. No, I'm, I'm tired of going to Cleveland. I'm tired. I'm tired of flights to Cleveland. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I I want to see some new blood. But uh, look, this is what I expected out of a four-five matchup. You expect the close games and a tight series, and for it to go seven. Um, and I agree with you. Indiana's a better team than Cleveland. It's just, you know, the eventual what's going to happen with Cleveland, whether they get through the series or not. Toronto's going to be better than them, and Toronto should win that series as well. But you can't count out the best player in basketball. So um, I, that's why I said I'm a little on the fence. I want new blood, but sometimes it's hard to work against the great. 
Yeah. All right, we'll get back to the NFL draft as well. Baker Mayfield goes number one. We'll talk about that. The fourth overall pick, though, uh, it'd be a little riskier for the Cleveland Browns. We'll tell you why. Plus, the Giants made the safe pick with the number two pick. Was it the right pick? But right now, let's check in with Howard Beck, the senior NBA writer over at Bleacher Report. I'm sure he did a video or something in the last couple of weeks saying Tristan Thompson was going to be the answer for the Cavaliers in uh, Game 7. that about right, Beck? Uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I, if you want me to say yes, I, I, I will. We don't really do videos anymore, anyway. I know you loved my videos. Chris, I do, but uh, they're excellent. We, we've, really... we've we've pivoted away from video. Video, <laughs> oh, uh, video, videos. Uh, you know, so twenty fifteen. Oh, you're pivoting to text. Way to go there, Beck. I, I can respect that. Um, all right, let me ask you about you know this this Cavs Pacers series in general. Have you do you are you of the belief that the outcome of this series? And really, the outcome of the postseason in general will have an impact on LeBron James' decision this summer. Absolutely, positively, and anybody who doesn't believe that is fooling themselves. Um, there's, you know, look, LeBron James has only been about one thing for pretty much his entire career, and certainly the last seven years, which is winning as many titles as he can, contending every year, maximizing his uh, abilities and maximizing. And, and, and strengthening his legacy as one of the all-time greats. So it's a very simple bit of calculus, I think. It's, does this Cleveland team have the ability to surround me with the pieces necessary to contend for the next three, four, five, however many years he wants to play? And if the answer to that is no, then I think he looks elsewhere. And, and the proof of that is 2010 and 2014, because each time he reached what was essentially a dead end with a team that couldn't contend for championships, um, and he found a better situation. He found better teammates. This Cavaliers team, even if they win today, which I expect, I can't imagine whenever his season ends that LeBron's going to look at this roster of Jordan Clarkson and J.R. Smith and Rodney Hood and Tristan Thompson, Kevin Le- if, if he looks at that roster and says, yeah, I think I can contend with these guys year in, year out, I mean, I, that, LeBron's too smart of a basketball player, too smart of a person to conclude that. So that means one of two things. Either he's leaving or Kobe Altman is going to find some magical way to flip that Nets pick, which is currently eighth. Uh, maybe it jumps up to the top three. Um, or flip Kevin Love, or both, to try to get the stars necessary for LeBron James to want to stay. Um, I don't see any other outcomes. You either get him the kind of stars that he, that he needs. Uh, you know, he, he, he's obviously missing a Kyrie Irving type. Um, you either find that talent, high-level talent, or he goes and finds it himself, because that's what he's done before. Do you think the outcome of Philadelphia's season will have an impact on LeBron James? Because a lot of people are connecting LeBron to the 76ers for a number of reasons. Yeah, and that one's really fascinating, Chris, because, yeah, listen, if the Cavs were to lose to the 76ers in the playoffs, um, which is one possibility, you know, um, but if, if the Cavs and 76ers met, and the Cavs lost to the 76ers, I cannot imagine LeBron going to the team that knocked him out. And if the Cavs, or if the uh, 76ers make it to the NBA Finals, you know, it's still, it's, it would be hard to see him going to a team that got that far without him and that has an established pecking order. It would be weird. Um, I believe that, that LeBron does not, let me put it this way, People drew a lot of parallels between what Kevin Durant did going to the Warriors and what LeBron did in his moves over the last several years. Um, I'm of the firm belief that LeBron does not see it that way, that 
uh, he does not want to replicate in any way what he saw Durant do, which was join a team that had knocked him out and a team that had already gone far without him. So I cannot see LeBron doing that if the Sixers, say, make the finals or make, even make the conference finals maybe. Um, I, I think that would be difficult. Um, it, would, it, would, it would run counter to what I believe is, is his, uh, his makeup. So let me ask you this. Where do you see, if he leaves, where do you see him going? I don't know. Um, you know, L.A. makes some degree of sense. That's a hot take, Beck. That's a real hot take there, Howard. That's, that's an excellent... I mean, uh, look, I mean, look, listen, you, <laughs> we, we all know the, the, how this really works, though. Take the, take the 30 teams, eliminate all the small markets for the most part, um, eliminate any team that's nowhere near contending. I mean, you, you get down to a couple of, of spots. There, there really aren't... This is not some you know, uh, you know, ingenious, uh, you know, methodology for figuring out where his potential landing spots are. There aren't that many. He's not going to Memphis. He's not going to Denver. Um, so, you know, but L.A. is tricky. I mean, if Paul George wants to go with him, and then they can attract some minimum salary or, you know, bargain veterans who want to ring chase, then you've got something going. But he can't go to L.A. by himself. That's not a contender. Um, he needs at least Paul George. And I, I think that might be the case in, in, you know, a couple other places, too. You know, Houston's interesting, but Houston's really tricky cap-wise. Um, and, you know, look, I'm not ruling out Philly, but I do think that their wild success to this point, and the fact that they might just march to the conference finals or further, uh, I think makes it a lot tougher for him to make them. Well, speaking of Houston, uh, they they didn't really exude a lot of energy uh, uh, with their uh, Dyson of the Timberwolves, but... Utah uh, expelled a lot of energy, energy with the OKC battle. How do you see this next uh, game uh, series playing out? With the uh, Jazz and Rockets? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, the, the Thunder were a good matchup for Utah in a lot of ways. Um, I'll be interested to see how Donovan Mitchell – I mean, here's the thing. No Ricky Rubio for 10 days is just right. brutal. Rubio's a really good defender, and so now – your, your backcourt has been weakened. Um, Dante Exum just got back a few weeks ago, uh, but at least he's, he's lengthy and, and can guard both guard spots. Um, but Donovan Mitchell, as, as a rookie who already has a tremendous workload offensively, gave them their entire offensive identity this season. For him to have to be chasing around either Harden or Chris Paul is, is going to be tough because they need Donovan Mitchell's energy devoted to offense. Now, Rudy Gobert... Uh, helps a lot you know he wipes out a lot of mistakes but you know we see what happens when he gets in foul trouble that's how the thunder briefly got back into that series and excuse me james harden's pretty good at doing that to people so uh i think the jazz can can make this a competitive series but yeah i mean i I, as as anybody else would i expect the rockets are, are going to take care of business let me get you out here with this, Howard. Um, we're, we're more than two weeks removed from the end of the NBA regular season, and only one of the the, the several coaching openings have been filled. That's J.B. Bickerstaff uh, being hired full-time down in Memphis. How surprised are you that teams like the Knicks and and the Suns and the Hornets, that we haven't seen coaches hired? Because right now it, it doesn't seem like there's – another coach that could pop available. I don't think Doc Rivers is leaving L.A. Um, Could something happen with Rick Carlisle in Dallas? I don't know, but is it surprise you that we're not seeing uh, these coaching vacancies be filled a couple of weeks after the end of the season? 
I'm a little surprised, Chris. Typically, teams can you know move a little more quickly, especially when you've got multiple openings. Because teams, if there's you know certain guys who are the the most desirable candidates, you want to position yourself to be the first in line. I think the fact, like Mike Budenholzer, if he had gotten out of his Hawks deal sooner, I wonder if if that would have changed the market a little bit. Because maybe teams that wanted Budenholzer but didn't want to have to give up compensation, maybe would have moved on him sooner. Now that they don't have to give up compensation, we'll see if somebody does jump. But I think in general, it's it, it's the fact that. The candidate pool, while there's a lot of good coaches, there's no one guy who everybody is jockeying for. And so we have this era of due diligence where every team wants to look like they're uncovering you know, or turning over every single stone. And so that's what's happening. It seems like every team is interviewing you know, half dozen, ten guys um, and, and proceeding kind of methodically, which you know, in a vacuum for any one of those teams I would say is the right way to go. But, yeah, it is interesting that the market has moved so slowly. I think teams are waking on Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's the first domino to kind of – is Milwaukee maybe oh. the first domino that has to fall? I don't, I don't know because that, that, that implies that there is one candidate who, you know, needs to go to Milwaukee first and it unlocks everything else. And I'm not sure who that guy is. I mean, um, you know, I'd heard rumors of Jeff Van Gundy to Milwaukee two months ago. Um, but you know that you know their season obviously just ended, and you know we've heard nothing substantive. I don't think yet about Jeff or anybody else being tied to that job. But um, I don't know that there's one guy who's the key to unlocking the whole market. I mean, if somebody wanted to hire Mike Budenholzer, Steve Clifford, David Fisdale, any of these guys, they could have done it yesterday. And you know, um, I'm not sure what everyone's waiting on, other than just doing their due diligence. Always appreciate the time, Howard. I will uh, retweet your video uh, proclaiming Tristan Thompson as the key to Game 7. Um, you can check that out at his Twitter account, at Howard Beck, and uh, appreciate the time, my friend. Always a pleasure, Chris. Thanks. Thanks, Howard. It's Howard, Howard Beck, the uh, senior NBA writer uh, over at Bleacher Report. Tristan Thompson continues to dominate this game. It's unbelievable. We'll dive into that uh, a little bit later on the show. Plus, Utah against the Rockets. Can the Jazz summon anything against Houston, especially with Ricky Rubio being out of the lineup. Plus, we'll pivot back to the NFL draft a little bit later on as well. It's Chris and Karan with Lincoln Kennedy here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Lincoln Kennedy sitting in for Karan Butler today. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Lincoln, I want to get back into Baker Mayfield and, and, and even the Giants, their decision to draft uh, Sequan Barkley, over a quarterback there. But we talked briefly uh, last hour about Josh Allen and mm-hmm. some of the tweets he had back in high school that were unearthed and, and what kind of problem might pose to him. This is not the first time that before uh, a draft there have been some some damaging materials, damaging right. information released about a prospect. When something like this happens... I, I mean, do you think it's 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 malicious on the part of some people? I go back to Laramie Tunsil with, with whatever the hell happened to him with that uh, <laughs> that gas mask bong, which Wacky I thought tabacky. was yeah, yeah. I thought was pretty <laughs> intrepid of. I mean, I hadn't thought about the gas mask bong. I mean, we all use different yeah. things in college, whatever. But right. um, do, do you when something like that happens, does your mind immediately go to you know this was done maliciously, or it's just you know reporters or whomever being kind of intrepid and digging it up? You know, what's most surprising to me is the fact that I understand the research process that teams go through and the resources they use. Look, most teams have got former police, uh, FBI, you know, high-ranking law officials 
working on, 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 their, on their payroll to find information just like this. And nothing was released. Uh, but uh, it came at, at a reporter's, you know, it came out from a reporter's rather than yeah. um, these uh, the other things that I, that was more surprising. It goes back to, you know, like the day when TMZ was able to find out things about Ray Rice and no one else knew or no one else had access to. So it, I, that proved to be interesting, more interesting to me. It's I honestly thought that the information was leaked to sort of get him to drop, if you will. Mm-hmm. Out of possibly the, the notion of being a top pick, well, he went seven. It wasn't too far of a drop, but um, tried to do something to sort of uh, damage his background, to, or bring out from some from his background to sort of damage his, his draft stock, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and and I always assume that's the case. I mean, look, as someone that is is in the reporting side of this right. business, I, I can tell you that you know. Uh, a lot of times your sources on stuff are people with access to grind, are people with agendas. Uh, I did NBA draft stuff, and while I never had anybody point me in the direction of, of tweets like Josh Allen has, and, and as much as I would have liked to have seen a picture or a video like Larry Tunsil had to be able to to release uh, on my own, I never uh, saw that. But you know, more more times than I can count, I've had NBA executives or agents whisper in my ear and say, you know, this guy's got some character issues. Like he's, oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's got some issues. That, in the hopes, of course, that I write it. Because as much as like teams say they don't look at mock drafts or they don't look at the, – they do. They, they, they look at the stuff and, and they see where the, the wind is blowing and, and they use it on some level. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Yahoo uh, got these – um, or not, not got these because they're tweets that are out there, but were, were kind of directed towards these tweets by somebody, like you said, looking for Josh Allen to drop, somebody that doesn't like Josh Allen, somebody trying to manipulate the draft process. Yeah, but in, in, of course, let's look at it. He had, you know, he wasn't there for his entire career, but he had some lengthy time at Wyoming. He wasn't just a kid that came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. He's been on people's radar for years now as far as the possibility of being a top dra- prospect. Why didn't it come out then? Why didn't you first hear about, it? hey, there's this great quarterback in Wyoming. He's probably going to be the number one draft choice. Oh, but by the way, he's got some, you know, some issues with his past and probably racial and sensitive, uh, insensitive tweets that he put in, in high school. It never, it never came to uh, surface until a week before the draft. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder. <laughs> put the what timing happened. together. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's something, something to that. We'll see yeah. what happens with Josh Allen. These quarterbacks, though, their careers are all going to be intertwined. Four quarterbacks drafted in the top ten. I mean, usually it's two, right? It's, you know, Leaf and Manning or yeah. uh, Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. Now you've got four inside that top ten that clearly want to compete with each other. I mean, Josh Rosen was the last of the four drafted, and one of the first things he said was that nine teams in front of him made mistakes. Then he came back and said three teams uh, made mistakes, pointing to the three teams that drafted quarterbacks. Right. Uh, over him, but when you look at these four quarterbacks, I mean, can you project it all? I mean, who were you highest on, you know, coming into this draft process in terms of pro potential? I was highest on Sam Darnold. I had the pleasure of covering him and Joshua Rosen, uh, uh, working for the Pac-12 Network these past couple of years. Okay, and so I why thought, Darnold over Rosen? Why? Why well, that? But just mainly because of the durability, the body style, the body size, and and more importantly, his ability to move and throw while moving. Yeah. Because offensive line play in the next level in the NFL leaves a lot to be desired. You've got some very a lot of teams out there with very poor offensive lines. Look what's going on in Indianapolis and Andrew Luck. They can't mm-hmm. they they can't even keep him upright. Yeah, 
Uh, I, I I like Darnold too. I don't think there was that big a difference for me between Darnold and Rosen. I thought Rosen. No, it wasn't. Kinda, it was it was it wasn't a huge difference for yeah. me. It's just one I, I I liked over the other. Now I think Rosen. You know, my issue with Rosen, and and the only issue I have with Rosen is, and I don't mind that he's arrogant, if you want to term it that way. I don't mind that he's confident. Okay, even if you want to just go that way. Um, but there were throws that I think that he felt that he can make regardless of the window, regardless of the, the, the circumstances. What I mean by that is that he's a quarterback that thinks that he can make every throw and get it in that tight window. Mm-hmm. Now, that window is going to close even more in the National Football League level, and so it could be somewhat detrimental. But, but I think he's a quarterback who's capable of making every throw on the football field. I thought it was curious that the Bills moved all the way up to get uh, a Josh Allen. They must really believe in his physical tools because of any of the quarterbacks out there, it looks like Allen – has the most physical tools. He's also the most erratic and probably needs the more, most time uh, to, to develop into an NFL quarterback. But uh, to, to jump ahead of a couple of teams and take Allen over Rosen, that tells me something about what the Bills really think about Josh Allen. All this draft, but prior to this draft, it looked like the Bills were positioning themselves to try to jump in the top five to yeah. get their guy. And and, and they having the multiple first-round picks and all the other things. And you knew they needed a quarterback. Again, we we spoke on it earlier in the show on what was the best suited uh, the best uh, person for them. Well, they need somebody with big hands, obviously, because it gets cold in Buffalo. You also want and you also want somebody who's used to the you know, cold weather. Joshua Allen makes sense to me, but he's not he's not he's still really raw around the edges. He needs time to develop. How big a variable is that? Like when you're a cold weather team, do you really look at you know hand size and 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 history playing in cold weather before you draft you a should. guy? You should. Yeah. You should. Try to take a California kid to Buffalo and see how well he does. <laughs> I mean, Especially there are examples. I mean, look, you had a California kid in, uh, in, in from from Santa Clara that went to New England and played pretty well, he right? He also went I to mean, Michigan was, for a few years, right? That's true. He did play. <laughs> I, guess he had, I guess he had that. And he likes experience. to deflate his balls. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, now we're opening a different can of worms there. Darnold, though, like, and, and I'm, I'm then along those lines. Then is along those lines is Darnold going to have a problem in New York? Do you think because Darnold is Southern California through and through, like grew up up there, uh, played his college football there. I mean, is he going to have, you think, an issue in that New York weather? Because that doesn't get, that's warm for about a minute and a half in September, and then it gets real cold. True story. Uh, to the, to me, there's a little level of serendipity there. The fact that the, the Jets, just like they did a few years back, took another USC quarterback who yeah. had initial success. Oh, did you see the part. cover of the, of the post, the, the Sam Chise? Oh, God. They oh, call him really? the Sam Chise. Really? Please don't let that stick. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Please don't let that stick. <laughs> oh, no, no. I did not see that. But, oh. um, I, you know what? Here's the biggest intangible for me for a quarterback going to New York is the media attention and the focus. Mm. And you have to be, and you're 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 in the media world. You're you're a reporter like I am, and you you know that this is it's huge. The 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 pleasure playing pain pleasure or pain principle that could come out of New York market media could do either bode well for you or ultimately destroy you. Right? Yeah, I mean that's it, the big thing. It's going to be fun watching Darnold progress because if it turns out that he's a great quarterback, not only will the New York media you know, elevate him, but they'll use it to kind of slap the Giants around too, especially if Certainly. Eli doesn't take off and get his career back on track after last season. If for some reason Barkley doesn't turn out to be the transcendent running back that we kind of all think he is. Now, I think that's hard to believe. I think Barkley's going to be special. But you know, over in the coming years... If the Giants, you know, plateau a little bit and the Jets take off because of Sam Darnold, it's going to be an indictment on Dave Gettleman and the Giants. Now, you and I, I think, disagree on this because you like the pick 
of Barkley. I, I, I like Barkley, too. I think he can help right away. And I think with, with some of the wide receivers they have coming back, they're going to be pretty good offensively. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that was just a prime opportunity to grab the future of the franchise, to grab Darnold. And maybe you're right, as you said earlier in the show, maybe they weren't, uh, and I think Charles Davis said this, too, maybe they weren't keen on Darnold or Allen or Rose. Maybe they didn't think those guys could be franchise quarterbacks. But this is where Dave Gettleman, his first uh, draft with the Giants, he better get this right. He better hit a home run on this one because if Sam Darnold turns out to be a great player, there's no running away from it. You can't avoid it because he's playing right there in your same building. True story. But here's also another factor that Charles pointed out, and I didn't think anything about it until he mentioned it. Maybe they think they're closer at making a run than we do. So they were just a few pieces away. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Because you have a quarterback, you have a chance. I'm not saying Eli's going to play for another five years. But you talk about the weapons. If you if you give him a running game, which he didn't have last year, and, and you, you of course you, they paid attention to the offensive line, drafting a big guard, Will Hernandez. Um, they got Nate Solder. They, they, uh, they paid attention to those little sort of deficiencies, if you will. Maybe yeah. they feel they're a lot closer at making a run than other people give them credit for. Yeah, yeah, they might be. They might be. But in the next two years, that's going to be the window because I don't think yeah. Eli Manning is going to be able to play at a high level uh, for mo- longer than that. It's Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. Lincoln Kennedy filling in uh, for Karan Butler. 877-996-6369 is the number. 877-996-6369. The Patriots, what kind of weekend did they have? They got themselves a quarterback, but not exactly the heir apparent to Tom Brady. We'll talk about that. Plus, I want to look at some of the other draft picks uh, more polarizing draft picks that were made, including what the Raiders did, both in the draft and in the trade market. But first, let's check in with Kevin Figure, see what's going on out there. What's up, Kevin? All right, Chris, they're just underway in the second half in Cleveland. Game seven between the Pacers and Cavs. It's Cleveland with a 54-43 to lead. LeBron James leading the way with 26 points on 11 of 16 shooting. Tristan Thompson rising from the abyss, as my friend Victor Brick would say. He has 10 points and nine rebounds so far for the Cavaliers. They did allow the Pacers to shoot 55% from the field in the first half, but Cleveland is dominating the offensive glass 11-2. Darren Collison with 17 points to lead Indy so far. 3.30 Eastern time, the Rockets will host the Utah Jazz. Game one of their second-round series coming up. No Ricky Rubio for Utah as he recovers from the hamstring injury he suffered on Friday's win over OKC. James Harden averaged 34 points and 7 dimes while shooting over 55% from the field against Utah and their normally stingy defense. H-Town did win all four regular season matchups. On the diamond right now, the Rays have a 3-0 lead over Drew Pomerantz and the Red Sox in Fenway. That game in the fifth inning, Tampa riding an eight-game win streak. Robinson Cano with a home run for Seattle. They lead the Indians 5-2 in the fifth. Matt Wieters just went deep for the Nationals. They have a 2-0 lead over the D-backs in the third. Braves with a 1-0 lead over Philly in the third. Blue Jays lead the Rangers 4-1 in the fourth. Hockey today. At the top of the hour, as a matter of fact, Penguins looking to take a two-games-to-none lead over the Capitals, game two of their second-round series in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Gentlemen? It's Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. Lincoln Kennedy filling in for Karan Butler today. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. The Tristan Thompson, uh, I don't know what to call it, resurgence continues uh, in uh, the, uh, the the game, this game seven between the Cavs and the Pacers. A little bit later on today, Jazz, they take on uh, the Houston Rockets. Let's grab a phone call here quick. Craig in Michigan, you're up next. Hey, Craig. Hey, uh, good afternoon, uh, fellas. You know, I, I just called because you were talking about how the Giants might regret take, not taking Darnold. It's possible plays in the same building. 
And you know, you then you say, well, but maybe they felt like they were gonna, they were able to make some kind of run. Well, two years ago, the Cowboys were in the exact same position. Uh, they were coming off of a four and twelve season, or three and thirteen, one of the two, much like uh, the Giants are now. They went on to, uh, um, you know, finish thirteen and three, and much like the Giants, the previous season before they had that really down season, they were uh, they were twelve and four, and the Giants were eleven and five. So they're in the exact same position. Um, even with the veteran quarterback, uh, the Cowboys had Romo. Of course, the Giants have Eli. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe the running back can make the difference, but I certainly don't fault him for looking at recent trends and thinking, hey, you know, uh, this guy could, you know, recent history, history shows that if this guy has a breakout season the way Elliott did, we could be right back in the mix of things. So I completely get it. Yeah, and th- thanks for the phone call, Craig. I mean, the I get it too, but running backs are a depreciating asset. I mean, running backs when they hit twenty nine thirty, they're basically done, or at least their yeah. their career their careers change. Whereas a quarterback nowadays, especially with all the rules, Lincoln, they're an appreciating asset. They keep getting better, um, and they have a longer career than they ever had before. I'm not denying that for the next seven years we could be looking at you know an incredible NFC East battle between between running backs between Elliott and Barkley in some of the shortest games played probably in NFL history because of how many times they run the ball. Uh, in these games, but long term, you got to replace Eli at some point, right? And and how many more opportunities you're going to get to find a quarterback of the ilk of a uh, of a Barkley or not of a Barkley of a Darnold or an Allen or a Rosen? The average career for an NFL athlete is a little bit over three years, three and a half yeah. years, roughly estimated. But the average window for a team to achieve the pinnacle of success and be able to keep the same team intact is less than four years as well. So you have to have a hit here now attitude. I agree with what you're saying about drafting a franchise guy for the future, but if the Giants honestly feel that they're close and they're only a few pieces away, why not take the best player who gives you an added chance of making it right now? It just feels like that was the safe pick, though, because I think you and I both agree that they're not just one player away. That that maybe uh, yeah. they can, maybe they make a, a decent run in the playoffs, make the playoffs, but in two years, uh, they're going to be looking around saying we need a quarterback. And well, you know, look, I, don't I think I think you know Dallas is reloading. Obviously, they've got some. They've got to fill some weapons with Dez now being gone and Witten, of course, announcing his retirement on draft, which seemed extremely strange for another conversation for another day. Um, you got to get in that I, booth, it, man. You got to get that money from the Monday Night Football. Well, money. I mean, you get know, I, you I understand that, but it was just the timing factor. Yeah, if you knew that you were going to do this, and it wasn't like it wasn't like ESPN hasn't been searching for somebody <laughs> to to fill yeah. that spot for quite some time. It just seemed the timing was just crazy um but this has always been regarded the nfc east has always been regarded as the most competitive division of football now with the defending super bowl champions and uh the philadelphia eagles seem to be atop the mountain if you will everyone mm-hmm. else is looking up at them it's going to be ca- crazy to see the amount of competition washington got better I mean, yep. look at washington's draft they they got better they addressed their needs they got themselves a running back who who, who surprisingly slipped in the draft um so it, it, it's anyone's guess on how it truly can be it truly can go i think right now like like i mentioned again about charles davis maybe they think they're closer than they are i i don't think they're there yet but i mean who am i to say that they can't have a, a, another breakout year now that they have saquon barkley on on in their midst and they address the offensive line issues yeah look they're not going to be a three win team next year that much is no. for sure but right. uh, the question is are they a super bowl contending team over the next 2 years which is about as long as eli manning is going to have uh playing at a particularly uh high level let me talk about the top of the draft though baker mayfield 
Uh, he goes number one overall. We've spent a lot of time with the last few hours talking about Mayfield. But, you know, we've kind of vacillated back and forth on what are some of the issues there. I mean, he's, he's an overachiever. Is that a good thing for a quarterback? He's a guy that's had some off-the-field issues. Charles Davis brought up the fact that he kind of claps back a lot on social media at people that criticize him. And none of these things relate to what he is as a football player, which is a little bit undersized, great accuracy, but he did it in the Big 12. As you kind of look at Mayfield's first few years in the NFL – is it his, his his physical ability that causes you the most concern? Is it the stuff off the field that causes you the most concern? What is it about Mayfield that you think might trip him up early on? I think it's just the pressure of winning in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I support anybody who wants to take that challenge on because I think it's a big challenge. Um, but as you talk about overachieving, I'm reading a lot number of reports over the last – you know, 72 hours on why the Browns went the way they went. It was reported that Hugh Jackson was sold on him six weeks ago when he had his workouts. He came out of that workout saying that that's our guy. That's the quarterback guy I guru, want to Quarterback guru, quarterback yeah, guru, Hugh Jackson, he's regarded, right? Yeah. He's regarded as, as a quarterback guy. So Where does that there come are certain from? intangibles. Like, where does that come from? Like, yeah. Am I a quarterback? Are you a quarterback? Are you an offensive no. lineman guru? Are you an Absolutely not. Guru? Absolutely yeah, okay. not. But you know, you are you are a soothsayer. You said Tristan Thompson was going to have the game of his life. Tonight. I did. I mean, geez. You I mean, did. 12 o'clock so, I mean, Eastern you, time. I said it. <laughs> you want to give me the lottery numbers before you leave? Nailed I really it. appreciate it. But it's anyone's guess. I just think that in a place like Cleveland, because it is a tremendous sports town and there's always the emphasis they want to see them them win it it's it, there's a lot of pressure L- look at look at the rainy champions pittsburgh's taken is is going to have to you know big ben's going to step down whether mason rudolph is able to pick up the slack and take over from there you know pittsburgh's on the verge of of maybe going down a couple notches baltimore's already gone down a couple notches cincinnati doesn't seem to be able to get out of their own way for what it meant so maybe no. it's this time you see what i'm saying maybe it's more- time for cleveland to rise yeah, but is there? Cleveland, there you go. There's. There you I go. think that's the Cavs. Uh, the mantra. Cleveland. Is that what it is? Rise I, I, I think up? so. Oh, right. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. uh, the um, is there more pressure though, playing in Cleveland or playing in, in with, with three other quarterbacks in the top ten, kind of nipping at your heels? Because I would imagine, and and I'm just basing this on the limited. Uh, public knowledge that I have of Baker Mayfield. The fact that mm-hmm. he does clap back, as we said, on uh, on social media and to critics out there. Right. He's going to be hearing a lot of the stuff, and he's going to be paying attention to what Darnold is doing, what Allen is doing, what Rosen is doing. He's going to be watching them, and, and a couple of these guys are in the AFC. Like, they're there, and, and, and that's something I think that he's, going to, uh, that he's going to be thinking about during the year, and I wonder how that affects him as well. As an overachiever, and we both feel that he is that, yep. the last thing you want to do is gamble when you're out there. Take too many risks. Mm-hmm. Because you're trying to say you you play, let's say for some reason Cleveland's on a Monday night, and you just watched the other quarterbacks play on a Sunday, and now you want to do better than them. Is he that type of guy who's driven like that? I believe so. Mm. I believe he's that type of guy. And just getting and having a short conversation, I think he will see that, and he will try to outdo them, and he will try to showcase why he was the first player in the draft and why Cleveland didn't make a mistake. And sometimes you take awful risk and gambles that way when you don't necessarily need to. You know, not to compare him to Manziel, and we'll take a break in a second here, but not to compare him to Manziel, but, you know, Manziel before the draft said all the right things too. Man, Manziel fooled some people before the draft with, with some of his interviews and, and all the things. So I, I don't necessarily look at, at the things Baker Mayfield's done in the last month and believe that's an indicator of who he's going to be. I, for Cleveland's sake, you hope he is, 
But I, I'll never forget how Manziel kind of pulled the wool over everybody's head there a little bit by proclaiming himself to be a changed man, by going kind of underground there, not being seen publicly before the draft. I feel like he fooled some people. It's, it remains possible to me that Baker Mayfield could be fooling some people too. I certainly hope. I certainly hope he's the truth. I really do. I, I, I like the kid, Chris. I really do. Yeah. I like him. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy, and I and I, I think he deserves a chance, and he'll get that chance. I obviously, front for him being the first player in the draft taken. There'll be a lot of criticism, and there'll be a lot of focus on him. Yeah. All right. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine is the phone number. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. We'll take a break when we come back. I do want to look at what Josh Rosen can do with the Arizona Cardinals. Plus. The Patriots whiff at not taking a quarterback until the latter stages of the draft. Specifically, should they have grabbed Lamar Jackson in the back end of that first round? That's next. Chris and Karan with Lincoln Kennedy here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Lincoln Kennedy filling in for Karan today. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part? Figuring out which way is easier. All right, let's grab a phone call here real quick. Steve in California, you're up next. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's up, Steve? Hey, hey, you're right on a couple points there, buddy. Number one, why do you think they call Cleveland the mistake by the lake? Uh, They made some, yeah. Yeah, terrible. Uh, Mm -hmm. You don't draft Baker Mayfield. You take Darnold. And then when the Giants sitting there at two, you take Darnold as your long-term quarterback for the future. Now he's in New York, and he's going to be playing for the Jets. And as far as Rosen, please get Larry Fitzgerald to go over there and tell him to shut up his mouth. <laughs> Thanks for the phone call, Steve. You got, <laughs> Lincoln, you covered Josh Rosen for, yeah. for a long time. I mean, the concussion stuff with him, a lot of the questions before the draft that I was reading about were people wondering – well, what about his commitment to football if he gets hurt again? Does he think about life after football too much? I know in sports we oftentimes want these guys to be robots, like right. singularly focused on right. one thing, but did you, did you have any questions about Josh Rosen's commitment? No, not not more any more than anyone else. Look, the thing is, is that I think it's a generational thing. We saw last year a number of notable young stars automatically just lay down their cleats and say, I don't want to play anymore because I don't, I'm fearing for my health. Um, you go back to Derrick Rose, who totally changed after the injuries that he had in the NBA. Yeah, his whole his whole career changed because he started he started playing guarded. You know about getting hurt again, and he came out and said, "Look, I'm thinking about my life after the game. It's a generational thing." So I don't think Josh Rosen's concern or any concerns that uh, other athletes have out there about the concussion issues or little Timmy's mom that doesn't want to let them play football because he, because of the, the the injury factor plays any more mind than than, than it does uh, anyone else. By the way, can I just ask you? Does anybody not hug Roger Goodell? Like, can we? Is, is that, I, it's one. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. Oh, is I'm it? Tell, okay, I, I, I don't I have any idea it. why. There's, there. I mean, you these guys walk up like they're longtime friends. Yeah, uh, to Roger Goodell, and they give him this this bear hug. Like, oh my God, I love you. He didn't pick you. Why are you? Why are you acting like? You? Yeah, do you think I, some I of these guys though? Do you think some of them feel like the pressure? Like Goodell's going in for the hug. Like you know he's coming in for the hug. Like do you think some guys feel the pressure just to do it instead of just extending? It's like this is like a Seinfeld episode. Like extending the hand for the handshake and keeping it there. Like I don't think I can recall. A player not 
in the first round anyway, getting the Goodell hug. I, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, when you're when you're there, I think they might they might have it at a, as a, as far as the do's and don'ts that's on your table in front of you. Uh, don't look don't don't give the pick away if we put the camera on you before we announce the pick and yeah. hug Roger Goodell when you go up on stage. And, I mean, these guys wound up hating Goodell after like two years too, right? Doesn't he become like the enemy of the players' they, union? They, like, they should hate him before then too. Like, like, geez, God, like that's. Uh, it's always uh, a thing with uh, with Goodell at that point. All right, let me ask you one more thing about the draft here. Yeah, uh, we, we've talked about the quarterbacks, the high draft mm-hmm. picks. We've talked about the Patriots, too, their decision to pass on Lamar Jackson. But somewhere in between, give me the pick that you liked, the team that you thought did really well. Ooh, who did really well? Um, I, I, You know what? Here's the thing. It, it's really a difficult question to ask for me to answer because there are two major philosophies when it comes to scouting and, and picking. There are people mm-hmm. who draft the best athletes available, and there are people who draft for needs. And sometimes those don't necessarily mix or intertwine, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with the way the Giants did things. I, don't have, I, I think that you know, as far as the Cardinals and you're talking about Rosen, the fact that you only give up – you only give up two picks to get your franchise quarterback is 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 a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. If he turns out to be a true player like everyone expects him to be, um, and even the Denver Broncos, you're able to add a, a, a talent like Chubb to what you have in Von Miller. You made yourself that much better. But I'm I'm telling you, the Chargers don't get enough ch- uh, attention or uh, credit. But what they did by da- drafting Derwin James uh, out of Florida State to that's to that uh, defense. Man, that's that's pretty impressive. So there are a number of teams that have had some impressive drafts, especially in the top part of it. Did the Raiders have a good weekend to you? I think they had a good weekend. The biggest issue that I have with the Raiders is that they've drafted more guys with character issues or off-the-field issues than I've ever seen in that program. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Gruden's joined it on his, you know, his inaugural year of coming back was really surprising to me. Yeah, I, I think they've given Derek Carr an unbelievable receiving corpse out there. I mean, he's going to have. And they put other people on, like place. Seth, you know, Seth Roberts, on notice. Yeah. I mean, what they did in the draft, and of course, getting Martavis Bryant, they put other guys on notice. And, and there were a lot of guys who've been on that roster for a few years who haven't been better or gotten better. Quickly, do you think this is, it's a seamless transition for Gruden back into the coaching ranks? Yes. I do. I had a chance to go watch practice the other day, and it, it's just like old times. It was like looking in a, in, a, uh, in, in, a, in a mirror when I was out there with him. He exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Well, Lincoln, pleasure being with you today. Nice to spend the last three hours with you. And, uh, you have far more uh, NFL knowledge than I do, and I think Karan would admit far more knowledge <laughs> than he does. But I'm glad. I I, I'm glad I could tell you that you know that Tristan Thompson was going to make an impact today. You can watch I, the rest I, of this now game. Now this and, what is, is it still tied? Sixty-one, sixty-one. It's it's, it's it's a close game out it's there. It's a close game. <laughs> Lincoln <laughs> Kennedy, great to talk to you, my friend. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for working me. All right, Karan Butler will be back next week. Stay stick around here on Fox Sports Radio. Chris and Karan, more next. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.